This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week is our 150th episode, and Woo! we're celebrating in trench coats and Venetian blinds, Woo! going all laser disc style and watching Spine 19 in the Criterion Laserdisc Collection, Woo! Ridley Scott's Blade Runner from 1982. But first, that was supposed to be like faint cheers, like oh, not 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 just like the the air being let out. But first, oh, I, uh, yeah. Hi, RJ. Oh, hi, Jarrett. How's it going? It's fine. I mean, I don't know. But who gives a shit? This is gonna be the longest episode we've ever recorded. Oh man, yeah, it might be. It could be it, a long. It could be a thick one. Thick boy. It's possible. So the only thing new with me, Jarrett, yep. is uh, Crave has fucked me again. Nice. Uh, so you know how Crave has all the DC Universe shows on it. Yep. So I knew I, that. I obviously. Yeah. So. I haven't watched Titans or Doom Patrol or anything like that. Titans I've been... is on Netflix. Okay, so Titans is on Netflix. Doom Patrol is on Crave. Yes. So that one I'm actually interested in. And I was like, yeah, I'll check it out since it's here. And then, you know, how last week that hit new Swamp Thing show came out? To right. Pretty, like, positive uh, regard. I have absolutely no one talk about it at all. I saw a few uh, positive <laughs> ratings. So anyways, I was like, oh, cool. I'll get that on Crave. Because Doom Patrol's on there once a week, it has a new episode. And then I checked on Friday, and Swamp Thing wasn't there. And then I checked on Saturday, and Swamp Thing wasn't there. And now it's Wednesday, and Swamp Thing's not going on crate. So they fucked me again, Jarrett. I don't know, like... So where is it? I don't know. D- the DC app, I guess. But if Titans is on Netflix, and Doom Patrol is on there, crate... There is no DC app in Canada. Yeah, so it should be on Crave, right? I don't know. Or Netflix. Well, the- is it, it's just nowhere, huh? It's just nowhere. If some, it's probably on some obscure fucking like streaming <laughs> thing that I don't have. Yeah, the one you don't have. The one I don't have. Horseshit. Anyways, that's all that's going on with me. Great. Moving on. Excellent. I don't give a shit what's going on in your life. Uh, yeah, me neither. Or if, I mean, if there's anything you want to tell me, is there anything that you would like to tell me, Jarrett? Nothing. Something I will t- say to your fucking face the next time I see you, motherfucker. Hey, RJ, we got emails. A whole a whole pile of them. We yeah. Ooh shit. All right. We have an email from Aaron Lang. Aaron Lang. Have they emailed in before? They have, but I think just one time. Hey guys. Is it wait? Is it oh, an A or an E? An A. Okay. Aaron. Gotcha. Gotcha. Hey guys, I'm working on a big ass graphic novel and usually listen Uh-oh. to the show when drawing. I get I got bogged down for months doing research and writing for the second half of my book, but now yeah. that I'm back to drawing, I'm catching up on the show. The Hearts and Minds episode was really incredible. I still need to see that movie. I read about it years ago in Creation's book on Vietnam cinema and was curious then too, but must have forgotten about it. Thanks for reading my email about annoying DVD case stickers on your Royal Tenenbaums episode. I agree with you guys that Tenenbaums is probably Anderson's best movie, yet it is not my favorite either. That distinction goes to Rushmore. Aquatic is probably the most rewatchable, despite having some elements that irk me. Cutesy CGI, over-sentimental ending. After Aquatic, mm. I lose all interest in Anderson, though I still haven't seen Budapest Hotel, which I hear is good. I checked it out from the library, but the DVD looked like it had been in a knife fight. 
Uh, classic library rentals. Classic. I'm surprised there wasn't some blood, some semen, and uh, someone's just stray boogers on that thing. Well, Everything I've ever gotten from the library just has full-on boogers wiped on every single goddamn page. <laughs> I, I also agree it. with your, however, unlikely-sounding comparison of Anderson with Tarantino. Much like Anderson, my interest in Tarantino takes a hard dive after the early work. Jackie mm. Brown is my cutoff point. Both Tarantino Oof. and Anderson's later work gets too formalized to the point of abstraction. All surfaces and references, no core or purpose. All for now. Catch you later. Thanks, nice. Aaron. Well, it's nice to hear from uh, fresh, fresh meat, Jared. Yeah. You um, know, like man flesh? Y- yeah. Not to assume anything. Arian's a female name also. Yeah, I suppose. Or maybe uh, they uh, identify as a DVD well, case. I Aaron, don't know. Aaron Lang does make some comics. It seems like sort of the uh, cinema sewer style comics, the Ooh, sort, sort Jared of Jared uh, Duncan style. Ca- yeah, countercultural sort of uh, adult. Very. Tight. How do you know? I don't. know. I looked it up. On, on you the, creep. I looked. Him, I crept onto Aaron's. Wow. Stuff. I'm curious. I think to the see world this... would be pretty upset if they knew that Jared was just looking at their Instagrams. Well, it wasn't Instagram. It was an actual website where you can order oh. comics. Oh. He says, sorry, what are you saying? Google it. I look forward to seeing or hearing about this big ass graphic novel. Yeah. Send me a copy. I'll read it. There you go. Live on air. <laughs> Live on air. Sam Sanchez. Oh, do you, do you have any thoughts about uh, Tarantino Anderson? I don't disagree. Did, I, did we say that? Or did, is he saying that? I think I said that. I, I know. I uh, definitely. That. Yeah. I, don't I, I, I found that uh, Inglorious Bastards in Grand Budapest Hotel. I found very similar. Is it because Eli Roth is in both of them? Um, Isn't Eli Roth the bellboy, like the main protagonist in Grand Budapest? No. No? No. But he put on all that weight. Did he? I think he did for... And he uh, he shrunk? Well, he did put on a bunch of weight for for, uh, that other Inglorious Bastards, didn't he? Maybe he just worked out. Maybe you're going to work out. Eli. Ooh. Anyways... Sam Sanchez. Sam Sanchez. Email titled, RJ Hates Women. No! <laughs> Stop! We can't. Jared is winning. Every time someone repeats that, Jared is winning. And you can't see, but he just has, like, this Cthulhu-style, like, thing opening in his chest that's just feeding off of everyone's comments that I hate women. <laughs> no! Uh... After the email last week about female directors, I was curious to see who my favorite would be. And one director actually has three of my highest rated movies directed by women, at least according to Letterboxd, and that's Elaine May. Huh? What did she ever do? Unfortunately, she only directed four movies, and her career seems to have ended after directing Ishtar, which I still have never seen, but I've heard that its horrible reputation might be unwarranted. But I would definitely put her number one for me based on Mikey and Nikki. A New Leaf with Creep's personal friend, Walter Matthau, and The Heartbreak Kid Alone. Mickey, uh, Mikey and Nikki is a personal favorite, though a future Creep about 10 years from now. Currently streaming on the Criterion channel, I believe. It, it, wasn't, it, the last yeah. I looked, it is not streaming on the Criterion channel. It was the first movie? Yeah, when yeah. they were just doing charter subscriptions, yes. like before they launched, it was yeah. like the very first one. Yeah, it was on there, but yeah, on the actual... Yeah. Criterion Channel, it is not. And yeah, mm-hmm. so Elaine May, I've only seen A New Leaf because I'd heard how good it was. And it's got 
uh, as you said, personal friend, Walter Matthau. But I found mm-hmm. it just okay, despite me really wanting to like it. And I remember starting to watch a uh, an illicit copy of Mikey and Nikki uh, several mm-hmm. years ago, and I only lasted like five minutes. I was just not in the mood for uh, the Elaine May touch, perhaps. Kind of. What's your deal? Is know. it like the Boobich touch? Uh, it might be. I don't know. It, well, is it? I'd like to. I'd like to get oh. into this uh, Elaine May cinema more, but uh, the ones okay. I've seen, it's kind of like, oh, I appreciate this. Like New Leaf in particular, it is like, it's a comedy, but it is like very, very deliberate in its pacing. Very deliberate. Other notables for me uh, would be uh-huh. Lynn Ramsey, Joan mm-hmm. Micklin Silver, Chilly mm-hmm. Scenes of Winter and Between the Lines, uh, Ida Lupino, and Dorothy Arzner. Also of note, though I've only seen Tenement, which I enjoyed, is Roberta Finley. I ordered a few movies by mm. Finley in the Vinegar Syndrome sale, so might have more to speak on for her uh, for her soon. Yeah, so Roberta Finley, her and her husband, uh, I think it was like Robert Finley, they made roughies back in the day. What do you mean by roughie, Jarrett? What, what do you think I mean by roughies? What does it well, sound when, like? When you say roughie, I get a certain feeling downstairs and yeah a tingle uh-huh. uh yeah it's sort of like these grimy black and white sort of like sadomasochistic pervert movies um oh, jared flicks yeah yeah i have a list actually on letterbox mm-hmm. about about these ty- sort of lurid titles and those were the the finleys and then she kind of graduated to making her own movies um kind of like mm, in the wheel how i don't know I guess I haven't seen a ton of her stuff. There's like Doris Wishman who did that uh, A Night to Dismember. I kind Doris of like Fishman? Doris Wishman. Doris Fishman? Wishman. Oh, okay. Yeah, my favorite superhero too. Is it? Anyway. Oh. Uh yeah, so yeah, I have I don't know if I've seen any of her stuff off the top of my head, but uh yeah, she's definitely a vinegar syndrome type. Like hardcore pornography? Um, probably. Okay. We've all been there, though. Sure. We, we, I mean, if you we, want. We, we've all needed the money. As for yeah. Jared's question, if any of the uh, Vinegar Syndrome titles I ordered were of the hardcore variety, Ooh. actually, I think two were, mainly because I saw that the stocks were dangerously low, below 50, so I caved and tacked them on. Those were Skin Flicks and mm. Mary Mary. Before those, I think the closest I owned to hardcore from Vinegar Syndrome was some of the Andy Milligan movies like Flesh Pot on 42nd Street, but I don't think that qualifies. I usually steer clear of those or try to at least. That said, though, I would be down for Vinegar Syndrome podcast, hardcore or otherwise. I would hope RJ would join us, though, and maybe even nope. join you in person for a viewing party of some of those titles like Hot and Saucy Pizza Girls and Ooh. Liquid Assets might catch his eye. Those both sound pretty good. Is the liquid assets like is the emphasis on ass and like liquid ass? Well, it's a play. It's uh, yeah, it's like kind of like maybe it's like a Wall Street type of pornography. Because I've hung out with Jared a long time. I know all about liquid ass. Let me tell you. Sometimes we eat at Arby's and Jared, he can't get out of there fast enough. Am I right, Jared? That's only half true. That's full truth and you know it. Speaking of the sale. 
I hate myself a little more by deciding to now dive in a bit into the Severin sale, which is running through the this weekend. That was last weekend now. Though I initially had no intention to, mainly because they announced they were releasing Russian horror movie V on Blu-ray. So I decided I had to order that and added on like eight other movies, including a few Jess Franco titles in there. Luckily, mm. all in all, it wasn't too pricey compared to what I dropped on the Vinegar Syndrome sale. Well, yeah, no... I'd be interested to know what Sam does, uh, where he gets his money. Because I know Jarrett gets his money from the Patreon that yeah. he doesn't share with me. That's how he buys all his movies. All those I mean, movies he does. Now. He doesn't actually have to tell me because that's probably private. But uh, give me money, <laughs> everyone listening. Don't send it to Jarrett. He'll keep it. He won't share it with me. They think I'm joking. Hey, hey, what? what? Calm down. I'm just checking Calm. out uh, Roberta Fine Day. Finally, finally, she's the one who makes movies like The Touch of Her Flesh, The Ooh. Curse of Her Flesh, The Kiss of Her Flesh, which uh, okay. something Wild put out, uh, DVD of which I've got that I haven't watched, and films like The Ultimate Degenerate. Ooh, is that a Jared Duncan biopic? A Thousand Pleasures. Is that a Jared Duncan biopic? Janie, The Altar of Lust. Is that a Jared Duncan biopic? Shriek of the Mutilated. Invasion of the Blood Farmers. Well, yeah. Blood Sisters. Oh, yeah. Prime, yeah, Primeval and Lurkers are Latter-day Roberta. Yeah, hmm. I've, only, uh, I've only seen one of these bad boys. Is it, is it good? Touch of Her Flesh. Um, I don't remember anything about it, which I think is kind mm. of the kind of the point of these, these sort of movies. Yeah, here we go. A distraught weapons dealer is involved in an automobile accident after catching his stripper wife in bed with another man. Upon recovering, he goes on a killing spree, bumping off exotic dancers and hookers while plotting revenge on his wife. Mm. That's the type of uh, material that, uh, that they were up to. Michael Findlay and Roberta. Who? Mike and Roberta. Oh, okay. I know those guys. Which I was I watched in the middle of a rewatch of uh, Wes Anderson movies, as it turns out. <laughs> when were you watching Wes Anderson movies? At some point. Were they good? Mm, I still am not a big fan of that Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah, I know. You were never, though. Yeah. yeah. Right? Uh, and yeah, V, uh, I did see this. Uh, I think there's going to be a standard edition of the Blu-ray coming out, not with the nice-looking slip cover. Um, I, I don't know. I, uh, eh. The what kind of cover? Slip cover. Oh, I thought you said something different. Okay. You often do. You, do you know what I mean? No. Can you fill in that gap? I, I, I almost, took, I almost bit the bullet on that sale too, but I was like, nah, nah, I'm an adult. I, I got, I got a property tax to pay. Mm. And don't worry, that, RJ. Yeah. Sam continues and oh. concludes. I won't correct any of the paternal stuff. Though I'm familiar with what happened with that, my sports person knowledge is pretty limited to baseball, which is a sport I know way too much about. Nice, nice. Uh, so I got away with it then. So we call him perhaps Slugger Sanchez. I mean, you could, but you don't know anything about baseball. The dude doesn't even know the difference between a pickle and a squeeze play. Like, I'm talking about you, Jerry. You're a real chump. P.S. Congrats, RJ. Mm. I would have gone to your bachelor party if invited. At least you found oh. at least you found one woman you don't hate. Well, hate and love are it's two hands to the same the same thing. You know what I mean, Jarrett? Just like Are you picking up in an analogy? Yeah. Did you say just like Knight of the Hunter? Yeah. Yeah, it is kind of like that. Andrea and I have a interesting 
partnership in life, I guess you could call it. And yeah, I appreciate Sam saying that he would have come. Friend of the show, Ryan Nagel, was there. I could have invited everyone. They all could have come. Except for one. Mm Mm-hmm. Except for one. (sighs) Nice. Onward. Justin Mm -hmm. Peterson. He's here. Hey, Jared and RJ. I look forward mm-hmm. to hearing if you guys successfully passed your Voight Kampf tests. Oh, is that the the female stuff? Yeah. That's what that means, right, Jared? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Females. First off, I wanted to thank Jared for his thoughtful answer last week to my Southland Tales question, despite not having seen the film, and then giving mm-hmm. my Letterboxd review a shout-out. few questions for you guys to chew on. Number uh-huh. one. So you and RJ often talk about how often you will be long dead before you reach certain higher spin uh, spine numbers in the collection. Very true. So that begs the question, what would you say would be the worst and most agonizingly painful death you can imagine? Doing this podcast. Yep. Still be- With that, without a doubt, <laughs> being alive and doing this podcast, 100%. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You yep. agree, do you not? Yeah. It's pre- oh, it's so agonizing and painful it's the worst fate of all time what the podcast yeah fucking absolutely people think that it's like oh it's fun we like listening and it's like you don't have to be here with Jarrett when he yells at me and berates me and calls me bad stuff number two which July 4th quickly approaching here in the USA I have started thinking about what war movie I will watch to mark the occasion, which got me thinking about Oliver Stone. Are you mm. all fans of his films that are often politically charged? And which one do you think is most likely to be added by Criterion someday? I think there's an obvious answer. Right, Jarrett? JFK? JFK? Yeah, JFK is a pretty immaculate movie. Yeah, that movie. So, I mean. That's my, uh, yeah, I, so Oliver it's Stone. It's got to be JFK. JF, JFK's kind of, uh, not JFK, Oliver Stone. He's kind of a Francis Ford Coppola type, isn't he? Uh, yeah, I, I think you could say that. He, like He came in hot, stayed hot for a little bit, and then burnt out. And uh, it's kind of like overstayed his welcome. Which one do you think did it? Was it World Trade Center, Wall Street mm. 2, or W? Where, where did he, uh. Where did he have his breaking point? Man, what any given Sunday for me. Uh, that movie is spectacular. No. And I'll I'll go I'll go toe to toe with anyone on that movie any day of the week, no, baby. Oh man. That's the one it, that was for me like just nah, not a fan. That and U turn. No, uh any given Sunday is wicked good, Jarrett's wrong. So probably Alexander, the two thousand and four <laughs> yeah. uh movie with Colin Farrell. Yeah. Remember, remember Gladiator. Remember how all the good things it inspired, like Troy. Alexander. Oh, and uh, all those Inuartu movies that he's trying to replicate. Mm. Yeah, so I would say for sure JFK. But uh, Born on the Fourth of July has that dead babies I, monologue. That that movie does not go into the criterion. Uh, I'll say Salvador. Oh no, I just J- mean for him oh, to yeah. watch. J- James Woods. Yeah, James Woods, uh, Salvador. That that I think would be a, a shoe in. You no, can't I, watch movies with James Wood anymore. I don't even know if he's that's public on enemy yet. number one. Well, that's true. That's fine. Public and en- he should just watch The Hand by uh, Oliver Stone. There you go. I watched half. No, he's, of I don't think he's, I don't think, I he's, I don't think he's looking for a recommendation there, bud. Well, I thought he was saying no. for Fourth of July. He was well, no. whatever. JFK is uh, easily his best film, and uh, anyone out there, maybe yeah. you should watch The Hand or any given Sunday. Platoon's pretty cool. Yeah, Platoon's good. 
platoon is good. Did you kill any baby tra- Oh, can I tell you something? I've never liked Natural Born Killers. Yeah, I'm not I've a, never liked that movie. Me neither. Yeah. I don't like Juliette Lewis either. It's no. not because she's a woman. Mm-hmm. Wow. Other other very, reasons. Very defensive now. Number three. Yep. Finally. I have a long-running list on Letterboxd that I've titled my cringe movie bucket list. And from time to time, I have this strange urge to test myself to see how I feel after watching these extreme films that so many people find upsetting. I've Mm. seen numbers 1 through 12 on the list already, and I wanted to see which one you would recommend checking out next. Also, can you think of any other films uh, I should add to this list? Martyrs. Creeps, and Happy Movie Watching. He has seen The Martyrs. Oh, well, then that's it. (laughs) That's the end of the road, isn't it, Jarrett? That's the end of the trip. Well, he even ranked as like I think the one of the least, the, well, the I, least cringe of them all. I think it depends what you mean by cringe. Do you mean like cringe is in like horror cringe, or do you mean like oh. watching Jarrett talk to women? Wow, cringe. fictional, fictional cringe. Well, well, you know what I mean though, like embarrassing cringe or uh, like actual like oh, horror. it shakes shakes me to my core. Oh, so Jarrett's sex tape for sure. RJ, you uh, protest so much. Yeah, I know. Well, let's see here. So, uh, number one for him was Antichrist, followed by mm. Salo, Human Centipede mm-hmm. 3, Nymphomaniac 2, uh, a Serbian film, Pink Flamingos, Martyrs, Cannibal Holocaust, Human Centipede mm-hmm. 2, uh, Sweet Movie, Dogtooth, The Devils. And then after that, uh, so the ones he has not watched yet, I Spit on Your Grave, Caligula, I Stand Alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Visitor Q, Last House on the Left, and In the Realm of the Senses. Uh, I don't recommend watching any of those movies. Ah, for for ridiculousness, Caligula. Because it's like really not that cringy at all. (laughs) Is that uh, Vaseline? No, no. It's like uh, when Penthouse decided they wanted to get into movies and they got Tinto Brass, brought him in. And they hired Malcolm McDowell to play Caligula. This movie, it's it's barely good. It's not offensive. Was Larry Flint in it? Uh, no, because he's not behind Penthouse. He Larry had, Flint started Penthouse? That's Hustler, dude. Oh. Bud. Well, show, well I hey, mean, bud. I, I guess I shouldn't go toe-to-toe on porn knowledge with Jarrett. Yeah, no shit. King of you, pornography. You don't, you don't even know what pornography is, as I say it from my wheelchair. I uh you've I, never I like, seen pornography. <laughs> you've never you've never seen pornography. Um I like the porns where it's the people walking <laughs> into the room and then the door closes and and then titles come up and it says they had a nice time. There you go. Um yeah, mm-hmm. you should watch Caligula, Justin. Uh and I got three recommendations for that list. Uh, okay. in, in my skin, directed by uh Marianne Devon. Angst, directed mm-hmm. by Gerald Cargill, and Bad Boy Bubby, directed by old Rolf Dahir, an Australian film. A lot of fun. A lot of fun, those movies. None of those sound good. Oh, you'd. Oh, I, I couldn't even imagine you watching Bad Boy Bubby. I wouldn't. Good. It's, I'm not an animal. <laughs> Why did you watch it? Because uh, I'd heard uh, good things. And uh, did it's, you? It's a real Jared pick. I'll say that much. Uh, yeah. I'm sure. Thanks, Justin. Mm-hmm. Thank Next you. up, Jack is back. Jackson? Jack. Or is he going by Jack, Jack now? Jackson. 
See, well, you have to. You can't. You can't be playing haunt moose like that. That's what maybe he, he doesn't himself. like going by Jack. Y- yeah, Yaxon. Maybe, maybe Jack Attack. Maybe you calling him Jack like set off some PTSD about killing babies and Nom with uh, Tom Cruise. Have you ever thought of that? No. Well, yeah, because you don't you don't consider anyone else's feelings. You're selfish. This email is entitled "Cash Grabs and Killers." Hey, creeps. What's this about cash? Grabbing it. Oh, okay. Hey, creeps. Being that this week covers the seminal and dare I say overrated Blade <gasps> Runner, although Uh-oh. it has been a few years since I last saw it, I was wondering if there was uh, there were any 21st century remakes reboots that you actually liked. Furthermore, Probably what not. are some slashers that you guys suggest aside from the big three? Keep what up the, the great three? work. I don't know. I don't know what they are. Um, like Halloween? Fri- Fri- Friday the 13th, Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street? I guess. Is Nightmare on Elm Street a slasher? Okay, yeah. so this is... Yeah. Well, see, I'm confused, though, because, like... And it's not, it's not Jackson's fault, but, like, I find it... I find it difficult sometimes to categorize things as like slashers because there's so many like niche subgenres of that, all that horse shit now. Like, uh, like, you know, Flanagan's Hush. Is that a slasher flick? Yeah. Is, yeah. Cause that's a good show, but some people would be like, that's home invasion, man. And I'd be like, yeah. all right. Like some people think predator is like a slasher flick, but it's I, it operates well, like see, it, but it's obviously like a action adventure yeah. sci-fi movie with those horror elements. This is the thing we've talked about this many times before: the uselessness of these terms, I guess, at the end of the day. Other than when people are choosing to work within them, but like sometimes elements find themselves in other genres, and you're like, I'm so confused. Okay, well here here's one I'll hit you with, Jared. Yep. Slasher, yes or no? Okay. Yeah, I'll give you a couple. Uh, Maniac. Yes. That's my Slasher? number. That, that'd be my name. That, that'd be my number one pick too. Wow. Uh, what about Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer? Mm, no, that's a like, no? that's like a dark drama horror kind of thing. But Slasher. See, nah. but see, see how that's hard and difficult. Like it's me? all about the. Uh, for me, it's about the. Does it have like a, a stock and slash? A stock and slash does yeah. a main. Oh yeah, I guess Maniac does. Yep, it does. There's moments where it's like. There's a couple. <sighs> That RJ heavy breathing. Yeah, well, with if your you go to, with your if favorite you went to Arby's joke. as much as I did, yeah, you would be heavy breathing okay. just as much. Okay, yeah. Uh, what about Texas Chainsaw Slasher? Yes or well, no? Well, see, that might be in the big three. And uh, I just want to point out that uh, Jackson here. I don't know. He gave mm. he apparently he uh, rated that movie at some point one and a half stars. What Texas Chainsaw? Yeah. Are you sure he meant number one, or did you oh, do you think he, he meant he, number two? He meant the OG. That seems low. That's a good movie. That is. So I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, what so about if... Alien? Is that a slasher? That's got stock oh, in Jane, That's a haunted house in space. See? Do you see <laughs> what I'm talking about? You see why it's so fucking difficult? So my, I got five for you. Okay. I got Maniac. Yeah. I got Pieces. Okay. I got My Bloody Valentine, but it has to be the... Um, like unrated version with the with the footage restored because otherwise don't bother. Uh, mm-hmm. Death Spa and oh, Night yeah. School. Night School, huh? Yeah, I, I like that Night School. That's pretty good. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna try to hit you with movies that I feel fall into the slasher and, category. And these, and these are the ones that I I don't think he's seen. So there's other ones that I know he's been watching. Like he didn't like Sleepaway mm-hmm. Camp. 
which is oh uh, really yeah that, well, that movie's uh wonderful but maybe it's a movie that you, maybe you gotta you gotta age into the, some of this stuff <laughs> i don't know that's that's very true. No. Maybe you do have to. Well, because Sleepaway Camp, I could see why some people just wouldn't be into the majority of that movie. But I think that ending is uh, its one of those ones that isn't overhyped. It's like, ooh, yeah, it's pretty effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, and I think uh, Jackson just watched Just Before Dawn, which I like, love. I think that movie's I know you love that movie. It's outstanding. And uh, Friday the 13th, part two, three, four. Those are good. Yep. Those are all good. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with things that I think qualify as slashers. Uh, Bloody Birthday. I watched that last year for Ghoul School. That was a that was a slasher, right? What was that one with the kids? Yeah, they were all born on a lunar eclipse, and yeah. then they all fucking lose it and kill people. Yeah, sure. It's not. Sure, I mean, sure. So this isn't my top five. I'm going okay. with the route that you said, where it's like yeah. things that maybe he hasn't seen. Okay. So Bloody Birthday. You said Death Spa, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll say Killer Workout. There you go. Robicide. Yeah. That's the uh, the inverse of that. Uh, do you think Idle Hands is a, a slasher? Uh, I've only ever seen that movie once in theater. I don't remember it at all. It's got a sto- it's got a, a bunch of stalking kills. Okay. Um, Ernest Scared Stupid. That's for sure a slasher. Okay. Jarrett. Jarrett. Hey, RJ, how about remakes? Reboots. What do you mean reboots? 21st century remakes reboots. Well, I mean, there's the obvious ones like The Thing and The Blob. But th- those are 21st century. F- like 21st century films? Yes. Oh, you mean like new reboots of things? Yes. Oh. After uh, the year I, 2000. <laughs> I remember not minding the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street reboot, but I watched that when I was in high school, like when it came out. So I don't, I don't know how that would fare now if I had watched it again now uh i got i got you covered here rj it, see that's it's hard to get asked these things on the spot what about your reboots yeah if only someone had messaged you earlier on facebook about this even so i it's like i said i think it's hard to cl- like to classify some of these true things, grit okay what true grit Cohen brothers oh so wait you're not talking about slashers anymore we're talking about remakes, reboots. Oh, well, you never told me about that. I did so. No, no way. <laughs> no way. You keep talking. You Okay, okay. It's true grit. Sure, whatever. Okay. Uh, let me in. I think okay. uh, even though it's remake is... Uh... Oh, you did text me that. Oh. oh I never looked at that. <laughs> Whoops. So uh, let me in, even though like it's the previous film is only like three years older. Um, mm-hmm. my controversial one here, Rob Zombie's Halloween, uh, the Hills have eyes, mm. which I've no only thanks. seen, which I've only seen once. And I think, uh, it was way better than he would have expected. Uh, also La- the last house on the left remake. Oh, okay. The apes movies, the, 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 the past eight mm. cycles actually, uh, pretty good. Yeah. I, I like those also. Yeah, and uh, how about we'll throw in Christopher Nolan's Insomnia, which I think is better than the original, even though I don't think that movie's that great. It's like it's it's it's, pretty, it's a weak Nolan, but I think it's mm-hmm. uh, it's actually pretty okay. Yeah, I think it's pretty okay. Also, what about uh, Twin Peaks: The Return? Is that a reboot? No, that's just, that's just a that's just David Lynch. If it was like 
Denny Villeneuve. Someone else. D- Denny Villeneuve's uh, Twin Feet. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you which one. Uh, oh wait, that's a sequel. Never mind. Getting ahead of myself again. Mm. Uh, yeah, I didn't look up this at all. So I, all, yeah, yeah, it's kind of a reboot. What about Creed? Does that count? Sure. Yeah, Creed's a good show. I liked Creed when I watched it. Creed's what fine. about Mad Max? Does that count? Mm. Uh, debatable, but that movie's outstanding. So sh- yeah, that would be like that's like uh, a pretty great film. That despite all those things, it's like hey, we're, we're redoing it. But there's no reboot. There's no like Mad Max Five coming. It's kind of like almost like a standalone movie from the same director too. When I think yeah. of remakes and reboots, I think of like different Taken people involved. Taken by someone else. Yeah. Um, what about BVS Dawn of Justice? The uh, nope. I mean, yeah, no, <laughs> no. Yeah, I know. No. I, I was just, I was just, I was just playing with you, Jared. Sure, you were. I was just playing with you. Sure. What about uh, Mighty Joe Young? Did, that that I never did not come one. in the 21st century. Well, what even is the 21st century? Does anyone know, or is that just a thing people say to each other? Um. Well. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what i thought okay hey rj Perfect. yes thanks for the email jackson yes thank you rj what you been creeping on oh is that it for emails yep that's it all right well jared a whole fucking lot of movies i'll tell you that much what do you want to do here want to talk about gojira yeah let's just talk about gojira all right so uh jared and i went to uh the d box on the weekend yeah <laughs> There was a uh, Jared to, wanted to a, like sparsely populated theater. Yeah, there was not too many people in there. There was no need um, to purchase reserved seats. Yeah, but someone demanded them because he wanted a certain feeling, like a very specific reason why he wanted the D box. I don't think it was said on air, but uh, if you Patreon me money, I can give you a sound clip of Jared saying something very compromising. That's uh, legitimate too, folks. Very compromising. So uh, just send me money and I'll send it your way. So we went to God- Godzilla uh, for an- another. Okay, so Silver Fox was there. Th- that's a big one. We got to yeah, know. Yeah, Silver Fox was like right there, right in front of us. He was there right in front of us. Uh, at halfway through the movie, he got up and left and I thought he left for good. <laughs> But uh, he came back. He had a whole spread so, going on too. He did. He had he had the seats on both sides of him, like occupied with stuff. So he was uh he was doing it. Uh, for a new trend in our theaters, our um entire family sitting beside Jarrett. <laughs> so uh, I mean, at least this movie is, makes more sense than us <laughs> when you had like a five year old sitting beside you. Pet cemetery. Pet cemetery. Yeah, like all these movies where it's like, why are there little kids here? What is going on? So there wasn't that. Uh, and then, uh, you know, theater shenanigans as always. But uh, I tried to uh, put an end to that. You you gave this man the head turn silence. I gave him a hard stare uh, Paddington Bear style. He's just being a, like, it's like, grow up, you fucking weirdo. Like, dude's kicking seats. He's like 35 years old and bald. And it's like, what are you doing, dude? Kicking it and kicking Relax. it and kicking it and kicking it and kicking it and yeah, kicking it. Was, it was an unoccupied seat, and he was just like rocking the fuck out of it. And I was like, "Dude, which is the seat directly beside you?" Yeah. So I just very slowly turned. I met eyes with him. I kind of gave him a what, and then and then I just slowly turned back. They were good for the rest of the movie. Yep. 
They didn't want none of this shit. The, the same uh, Chud was also making some commentary. Oh, yeah. Like, he, he thought he was fucking Jerry Seinfeld in that movie. Uh, no, do you, do you like when, uh, what trailer was it for? But, like, Paint It Black started playing on the music, and he started singing, Paint It Black. Uh-huh. That, that was um, wonderful. I, that, yeah. Yeah, that was good. Uh, he also had uh, lots of hit things, like when uh, good, good, uh, Ghidra left the scene. He was like, what? Where'd he go? And it's like, huh? And then uh, I know Miley Bobby Brown was talking to your girl, Vera Farmiga, and uh, she was, like, yelling at her. And he was like, like, as soon as there was a, a moment of quiet in the in the movie, he was like, that's not a nice way to talk to your mom. <sighs> But, like, really loud. Like, he wasn't saying that to the guy beside him. He was saying that, like, to the public. Yeah. Like, who are these people? Crowd comedians. Who are these people who go to movies and do these things? That's got to hurt. That's going to hurt. So that's our review of Godzilla, King of the Monsters, by uh, Jared's new favorite director, uh, Michael Daughtry. D- director of Krampus. Krampus, your other favorite movie. So, Jerry, why don't you talk us through Godzilla? Because I feel like you had a pretty strong, uh, strong opinion on this. Did thing. I? I don't know if on I did. On Earth's Chonky Boy. Well, you wrote a pretty lengthy, yeah, that's I, like I, I got, I know, RJ I, style I, I, review. Yeah, yeah I, I, so I was, I was really channeling my inner uh, barn loaf. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, Godzilla. It's uh, so first of all, people mm-hmm. talking about how oh, it's all monster action. They're liars. It's, oh, it's not at all. They're like, full of shit. There, there's still uh, a plethora, 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 RJ, plethora. of humanity. And so this movie it's is like two real, hours and ten minutes, and there's maybe what thirty minutes of monsters at most. If that at most, and at boy, most. oh boy, that humanity stinks. Total horseshit. What's Everyone's his, like, "What's his face? Kyle Chandler? Chandler? Ugh." Well, we went into it, and everyone's like, "Yeah, the, all the criticisms are that that there's too many monsters." And we're like, "What?" And we're like, "How is that a bad thing?" Exactly. And then we were watching the movie, and I think uh, the little kid beside you summed it up best. And you mentioned in a review, like ten minutes in the movie, he's like, when we "Where's watch- Godzilla?" No, no, it was when do we get? Are we going to watch Godzilla? Like they mm-hmm. thought they were in the wrong movie, or they were like, "We have to watch a really boring movie first, and then we get to watch Godzilla." Even though there was like a title screen that had Godzilla in a roar. And it was like very explicitly like, "Hey, there's Godzilla stomping around, destroying stuff, BVS style." And then, oh, yeah. and then there was a bunch of people talking, and this kid was like, "Oh, really bummed out because now they have to watch like these assholes talking in a kitchen." Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then I sh- actually, <laughs> I also like that little kid's commentary where uh, when the credits rolled, it was like Warner Brothers and it was on fire. That kid was like, "Oh God." <laughs> I thought I thought that was super funny. He's like, "Oh God." Yeah, and, and <laughs> like, when, when, how could uh, they? Yeah, when Ghidorah shows up, that that mm. kid was just making unintelligible sounds. So was I. Yeah, as as one should react to that breathtaking scene, RJ. Well, especially when the the all you've had for fucking an hour is uh, Thomas Middleditch just delivering the like the worst exposition and one line zingers. The guy from uh, Silicon Valley. Oh, him, him and Ice Cube's son have some of like like they they have a real tough job in this movie like when they're talking about how mothra and godzilla have like a symbiotic relationship and ice cube's son is like "Ooh, shit he's like isn't that kind of weird and it's like what it's like what are you fucking talking about no one thinks that 
like Godzilla and Mothra are, are like having sex with each other. It's very obvious that they're not. What's uh, like so the guy who plays the salty scientist? What's, what's oh the guy the bad guy from Billy Madison? Is that who that is? Oh, yeah. Okay. No. Now, now, now that I, I never looked him up because I was like, I don't care about this. Bradley man. Whitford. There you go. Yeah, the bad guy from Billy Madison. Right. Yeah, he 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 laid down some minds that you were uh, you were chortling because <laughs> he because every, every, he's like he's so serious in his uh, saltiness. Mm-hmm. Hey, where was CCH Pounder in this movie? At the very beginning. Remember? Oh, really? She's like, if you leave this, you don't want to oh, know what the repercussions are. I'm the head of a Senate and a black woman. And then it's right. like later on, hey, it's another black woman who's like a general, but we're not going to listen to her. <laughs> Who would listen to a woman, Jarrett? A black woman on top of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Keep going about your uh, your your rundown of this Godzilla movie. So I've got, uh, yeah, I got some thoughts. Sure. Um, the monster stuff. The effects are spectacular. They look amazing. Um, mm, this, mm-hmm, this is mm-hmm. the best that any of these monsters have looked. Um, obviously, this movie is like a $170 million budget. You would expect the best, and I think it delivers. I think it was actually uh, ILM that does the effects on this bad boy. And you don't hear about them anymore. It's all like – now I don't even know if people talk about those studios. It's all about Disney. Disney did it. And you're like, what does that mean? Disney did it, and you're like, okay. And then, because at one point there was like, it was like Weta, and then, uh, oh yeah. But we now all they do is come to our university. (laughs) Does anyone, anyone still remember us? Well, that's the thing though. Is like nobody talks about these studios really anymore. It's all about the studio. It's like the movie studios rather than like these shops of like these expert Mm -hmm. craftsmen making things and like designing stuff. Then no one talks about that anymore. Nobody Uh, cares, man. Nobody cares. So. That stuff is awesome, but I wanted more of it because when that stuff was happening, I was engaged with the things that don't even talk or do anything. They just fight, but they, there's like, they have like life to them. Like Ghidorah, one of his heads is like a little slower than the other ones, and the the middle one corrects him. It's like board, it borders on Three Stooges esque, but it's played. But the movie's so serious, it never goes that far. But it's like a nice little detail. I'm like, that's really cool. I like that mm-hmm. little thing. Yeah, did you know they all had names? Each Ni San. And uh, San's code name was also Steve. Tight. I think that's just one, two, three in Japanese, isn't it? Ich ni San. Sure. See Rook. Um, six is in this. <laughs> Who? Six isn't that her name? Eleven, whatever. Stranger, oh, stranger shit. Oh, uh, friend of Drake. Yeah, Miley Bobby Brown. Yeah. So she's there to like look at things and go, Monster <gasps> Zero. <laughs> like, wh- why are you saying that? child monster zero <laughs> yeah she also gets a lot of really fun parts where she's like i gotta go steal back this super secret device and then she oh does. no that that room's full of bad guys but then all nine of the bad guys are like well our work here is done and they dust their hands <laughs> and then they all exit the room at the same time yeah. and she's like oh what luck <laughs> Well, luck! I can I can get it now. And then, oh no, I'm going to survive as I run away from Ghidorah lightning blasts. So this mm-hmm. movie is like half like the most boring, straightforward disaster movie shit ever. Like yeah. it is 
so unimaginative and stock and garbage. Like, it's just like Jump, driving know. around in Humvees that yeah. are uh, avoiding falling buildings. Oh yeah, it's like Justice League. It's it's all yeah. the movies I fucking hate, but I don't watch these movies very often. So in this one, mm-hmm. it maybe didn't bother me as much because I don't see this stuff, and that stuff just was crap. But that monster stuff is amazing. Like it's so it's so great yes. looking. Yeah. The, okay. So all the monsters are awesome. Rodan I, like looks Rodan incredible. Is wicked cool. I wish we got more Rodan. I well honestly, I just want two out. Not it doesn't even have to be two hours. Ninety minutes of just fucking the monsters. Godzilla, Rodan, Mothra, Ghidra. That would be so. Throw see, Gigan in I, there. I get even. why they can't do that because it would be so expensive. Like because you it think like would, how like to, to anim- like, I mean well, I guess I don't know. If you want it to look the way it does, I mean, there's there's a trade off of like you can make an entire animated movie with mm-hmm. no no human beings and you're just doing it. It'd probably be cheaper, but they'd be like, well, we have to have humanity. It's like, no, you, you don't. You don't. No, you no don't. one cares. Like every time the monsters were done destroying stuff, mm-hmm. people in the audience would go, oh, I can go to the bathroom now, and they get up and leave, and they know that nothing important's going to happen because all it is going to be is. Mm-hmm. A bunch of dickheads talking in a room. What are we going to do? And they get yelled at. I have a plan because I'm a professional. And then Kyler Chandler and his wolves. No, I did a study about this once. I'm the expert. And then when things don't work, I'm just, I'm a man of action. I'm an alpha. Mm-hmm. I'm no beta cuck. And he hits like wow. and, he, and he hits the counter and some guy goes, what are you doing? And it's, <laughs> uh, I'm just laughing at this shit. Charles Dance shows up. He's, he just enters rooms and goes, what are you doing? What are you doing? doing now and those are his moments and he goes and when she explains these like really poorly explained things that she's doing he goes very well <laughs> yeah <I'm> like <laughs> every time Jarrett laughs so fucking hard that one scene where charles dance is like what are you doing now <laughs> like and it, it's so unintentionally funny oh, it's, totally <laughs> it's it's hilarious and so like i kind of i feel a little bit bad for uh michael Tree, because uh, there are some things that like I don't actually mind the Kyle Chandler like wolf stuff and like the acoustics and things like that, but the the way that they all play out is so like uh, it's just so on the nose and like it's 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 so expositionally expo- exposition heavy where Kyle Chandler is like it's like this and then Thomas Middleditch will come in and be like like putting too much air in a balloon yeah. and you're like all right all right like you don't i i think i kind of didn't mind the human story like the actual story but the way that they tell the story the delivery of it sucks yeah and it, and it's like the dialogue is fucking horrible and it's just way way too much hollow it's earth so drawn off <laughs> drawn out it's a hollow earth i told you um <laughs> So yeah, like all the human stuff is honestly, it's such a bummer in this movie because it really, it really brings it down because two hours and 10 minutes, I, I'd say maybe 30 minutes is monsters. So that means Jarrett, an hour and 40 minutes is Kyle Chandler talking about like bioacoustics and you're like, yeah. all right, man. Not, like, not, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Right. And there, uh, there was so much, I was just watching it and I was like, come on. I was like, get to the fucking point. Like we don't need this. Even the, ki- even the five-year-old kid beside you was like, where's Godzilla? Well, Fuck. And, so the thing though is I'm thinking about this and like a lot of those Japanese Godzilla movies are kind of the same thing. 
yeah. like completely disposable scenes of humanity, and then you get to the fun Godzilla stuff. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And, and, but which is, so it's exa- it's a Godzilla movie. So like when you're like scaling this and thinking about it in terms of a Godzilla movie, it's probably the most successful American Godzilla movie. I think. Oh, for sure. By, for sure. By far. I don't know. I think it's better than that previous entry. Um, I didn't. Well, I, I, I mean, like I mean, the, what, what this movie really needed was John C. Riley. Oh fuck! Give uh, delivering one liners. Yeah, that would have been cool. I don't know what the fuck they're gonna do in a piece of shit Adam Wingard's uh, Kong versus Godzilla. Like Kong Godzilla's God. Yeah, like Godzilla's like a thousand fucking feet tall now, and he like he's literally a oh, noob. Shit. When they're talking about how he's he, juiced, he's juiced. Yeah, up. when he's juiced up. Man, he got juiced up. This is like dialogue in the movie, by the way, folks. Yeah. Whatever, uh, what what is his name? Like, Sita, whatever, you know the guy. Whatever Ken Watanabe's name is in this thing, they're like, Ken whatever Watanabe? he gave him, he got juiced up. I think he was dead by then. Yeah, but it was because of him that Zilla got juiced up. Oh, yeah, yeah, because he injected him. And we get yeah. some, we get sad Japanese man doing the job. It, it's like it, it's like a poetry RJ. It rhymes. Yeah. Oh, I it's just see. it's just like the first Godzilla when he goes down there himself with the oxygen mm-hmm. destroyer. I see. And the twins. I we got see. we got some twin action because yeah, Mothra. you got the twins. Well, see, that's the thing. All the monster stuff, like you said, it's awesome. Mothra's cool. I wish I wish we I, had more Mothra. I wish we could actually see Mothra rather than like yeah. blinding light all the time. And then we see a yeah. little bit. It's like so quick and like very not clearly demonstrated like the other monsters are. Like Rodan yeah. is like you get a fucking amazing showpiece. Destroy yeah. Mexico. And then you get Oh goddamn! Like King Ghidorah is like amazing. Like yeah, the effects he's of it, the coolest. The, the, the use of like the um the William Blake uh like Red Dragon image standing on top yeah. of the the mountain with the the cross because it's like mm-hmm. he's the devil. Bah. That thing that that is yeah, like it's cool. whatever. It's heavy handed, but fuck yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I I liked that stuff. All the monster stuff is cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Rodan was wicked. Uh. Ghidra, he was cool. I like saying Ghidra. I know it's Ghidorah, but some people say Ghidra, right? Yeah, that probably is like uh, maybe closer to the, the Japanese pronunciation, but Ghidorah. I've, I've heard both. So uh, Ghidra is really cool. Godzilla is awesome, as always. I love – like there were scenes when Godzilla was on screen, and I was I was legitimately thinking in my head, and this is embarrassing for me to say, but I'm going to say it. In my head, I was like, man – I fucking love Godzilla. Yeah, I, was I like, know. I love him so much. I was like, all I want is to watch more Godzilla. Mm-hmm. That's all I want. Yeah. I, and I, so, like, like the, in the in the first movie, his chunky boyness is kind of like, ah, yeah. oh, I don't know. But in this though, it worked. Like by that by that point, I'm like mm-hmm. totally in it, and I'm like, yeah, I love the idea of like Godzilla traveling around the Earth, just fucking up monsters. Like, cause he's like, no, yeah. you don't you don't belong here. This is my place. Yeah. I'm the boss. He's like, I'm the, yeah, I'm, I'm the, the boss. I'm the big dog. This is my yard. Oh, is that a Roman Reigns uh, little uh, little drop there? Yeah, ch- as you put it, Chonky Boy uh, Gojira is. I think he's awesome. I I think he looks wicked cool. Uh, the only thing, and you mentioned it too, is um such lack of creativity in the other kaiju, like the the woolly mammoth oh, the, gorilla yeah. thing, because it was like a, a mammoth but a gorilla gorilla also. That thing was really cool. But then the rest are spiders. Yeah. It's like spiders well, aren't the, interesting. The, mo- the Motu. Yeah, the Motu and like spiders. Like, give me give me an hour and a case of beer and I'll give you fucking a thousand 
kaiju that are better. Some guy who's just a huge stomach. It's a huge stomach. Well, do you think they? Or actually, able- just watch Big Man Japan. That had way better oh, kaiju. Fuck. Well, those things are like uh, a very specific aesthetic, I guess. That are very. Yeah. It's more upsetting than anything. But like, um, like Gamera. So uh, I yeah. mentioned this too. Like uh, the Heisei, um Gamera mm-hmm. trilogy is never going to be topped. It seems like it's impossible. Even though it's like they're they're kind of obviously ripping off elements of those movies in these movies which is kind like fine like they have kind of a, this Atlantis sort of thing going on they have um, this idea that Godzilla is the guardian of the earth and one day he might have to turn his atomic breath on humanity because mm-hmm. we're, we're being very bad um, destroying it good but, but they just touch on it just a little bit and you're like okay well, is that where like the gods, like King Kong stuff's going to come in to play he's, likely cause, right because like, be, he, he's humanity's defender like I guess that would be why though. Well, that's the thing. It's like is that it? Because he's because he's simian. Because yeah. he's a primate. That's not enough. Whatever. Give me Mighty did, Joe did, Young did, versus did, Godzilla. Did you do you need that much in these movies? Nonsense. No, it's all nonsense. Actually, no. Yeah. So here I'll I'll say it now. If it's ninety minutes of fucking King Kong and Godzilla. Awesome. That's not gonna I, like that. that no. not, it's not gonna be that long of a fight. There's gonna be like eventually. It's gonna be like it's gonna F- be like hey, up, right? it, it's gonna be like BVS man, and they're gonna be yep. like our mothers have the same name, <laughs> and uh, good. Hey, and you liked that when you first? I do. Saw it. I hate it. someone yep. was just shitting on it the other day, and I was like, that's like right from the comic, and it's true. Yep. Like, oh, it's dumb. Why did they even say that? I'm like. Okay, you fucking. Like, why did you, you even say you that? Momo's watching your fucking Marvel movies, and it's like the same <laughs> shit. But oh, they're just they're so much better at it. It's like debatable. Yeah, debatable. Yeah. So like the other thing too with the like the monsters, I was kind of like, why didn't they just use some of the like some of the other Godzilla guys? Yeah. Like other, like you know what I mean? Like Jet not, Jaguar. No cool. You could do yeah, like Jet Jaguar or like just like Hedora or. Fucking like, I don't know. None of the good guys. Like, what's the guy in Godzilla? Like the the guy who's like uh, an ankylosaurus, where he walks on four legs and has a spiky shell. Do you know oh, that dude? Is he in Raids again or man. something like that? The, the first one, like, yeah, yeah. Ugh. yeah. I, I can't well, see, his like, name why didn't top. why didn't they just use some of those guys? Other than the fact that they like are saving them for some reason. Literally, but, like a foot and a half out of reach are all my Godzilla movies. Just a foot and a half. Well, go find one. But anyways, like any of those guys would be way cooler because uh, I don't know, man. Like there, there's a lot. That, Mega, yeah, Megalon or um, I think Mega, Mega Gearus or Desatroya. Those guys. Yeah, Gigan's awesome. Gigan's one of my favorites because he has like that uh, chainsaw in his chest. Ibera. Ibera was a bad one. That's just that fucking crab, isn't it? Uh, probably. Ibra? No, yeah. So that's the other thing. There's like the but moments like, in this that like, I'm like, why is this going into like Pacific Rim territory now? Because like yeah. the whole like the end of it, the plot beat is like, oh, now there, there's like a black market for like monster parts. Mm. And I'm like, that's like a totally lift from <laughs> Pacific Rim. <laughs> that, yeah, I, I wasn't really into that. Um, I didn't like that at all. But I don't know. See, I, all I meant was, why don't you use all those lesser ones? And then if they do ever make more, they can do like some of the actual cool monsters like Biolante or uh, Destroya or something. Destroya. Destroya. And then eventually get Mecha Godzilla. Ooh, it'll be Mecha Godzilla in Kong versus Godzilla. Pretty good chance of that. That's 
very yeah yeah very much that's what's gonna happen very much so yeah godzilla's like i was fine with it but i wouldn't recommend people watch it either i would just honestly i would wait until it came out at home well it's like do you like godzilla movies yes watch godzilla king of the monsters just you're gonna watch it anyway but if you're like you're not that invested in these movies Mm, this yeah. isn't going to change your mind. It's a, essentially it's like a garbage blockbuster movie with really sweet mm-hmm. Godzilla effects, which is awesome. Yep. The, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know what? The one thing I, I wanted way more than anything else though, that never happened. Godzilla's roar isn't loud enough. And I don't know if it was just our theater, but I really wanted his roar to fucking blow my, blow my dick off. And it never really happened. And it was kind of a bummer. Hmm. Does that ever happen with you? Man, I don't know. Maybe it's just our theater, but I, yeah. I didn't think his roar was ever loud enough. And I was like, oh, man. Oh, so one thing I wanted to comment, uh, I, I noticed that uh, Oliver, he watched this and he's a Godzilla man and he was not mm-hmm. uh, in love with this movie. And uh, but he mentioned that like he watched this in IMAX and he said the picture was like kind of crappy. And like, I don't hmm. know, we watched this in 3D and I had no problems at all with the picture. Well, I don't like 3D, but like, yeah. yeah, it looked fine. So I don't know. Maybe uh, IMAX is a bunch of bullshit. It's likely. Yeah. Well, I actually, I saw the the last one in IMAX, and uh, it was fine, but um, I don't know. IMAX is, IMAX is a little wacky, you know? IMAX is a little wacky, Jarrett. Hmm. Here, RJ. Yes? You, you uh, what else did you watch? Well, I don't know. What do you want me to do here, man? Well, you got anything to say about Always Be My Maybe? No, fuck no. I don't I don't need to talk about that. <laughs> All right, RJ. So folks, uh this is a Ridley Scott episode. At this yeah. time, this is the only Ridley Scott film in the Criterion or Laserdisc collection. Mm-hmm. So we did a little bit of Made a bit of a dive here on Ridley. Mm-hmm. Um and so first up in that marching order is The Duelists. His, Ooh, his baby feature debut which is a movie that i watched for the first time like six years ago i believe when mm-hmm. the blu-ray had just come out from shout factory and uh from what factory the shout factory oh okay cool and i kind of just went into this being like oh this could be okay it kind of sounds like barry linden <laughs> and uh yeah it yeah, is kind of it, right? it, well it totally is uh you yeah could, you could pretty well tell that uh it's like hey that Barry Lyndon movie. Let's make our own kind of movie like that, but it's not going to be like that at all. Let's focus on that duelist stuff. And but what is a duelist, Jarrett? Can you uh, explain to the people? People, well, it's like the long gone cultural practice of, of? one man calling out another man and saying, "Hey, let's fight," and, and whoever dies, it's all nice and legal. Hey, could you name someone on Earth that you would? want to fight less than harvey keitel because i feel like that would be pretty scary if harvey keitel came up to you and was like hey, if i, I don't was, fucking like you if, if i was a frenchman and harvey uh-huh. keitel came up to me speaking in like this his thick new york accent <laughs> I, I would be very scared in, in his long hair <laughs> oh fuck that like was that an actual hairstyle that they had in I, france at the time where I, I would, it was like i, I just four I, braids I, off of yeah. north south east and west off of their heads yeah it's awesome it's so yeah. it's like because no one rocks that now. Maybe it's time for it to come back. Well, other than you, well, but you I, just have that one Padawan braid on the side. <laughs> yep, yep. 
So, so yeah, the duelist. The duelist. Yeah, so this movie, uh, the first time I'd watched this, I thought that it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it's not like this like perfect movie, kind of like I think Barry Lyndon, Lyndon you'd argue is, Linden. but um, it it kind of. Barry Lyndon. But well, I was watching this thing again, and uh, man, I was just falling in love with it again. Such a straightforward tale of two dudes who do not like one another. Two dudes who just fucking hate each other. Well, like one guy is it's just like, like is just a belligerent man like you mm-hmm. and uh Carradine, he's just like, no, I just want to go about my life. What what, what the fuck's your problem? And he gets pulled into this world of just like f- just fucking sword wounds and fuck oh mm-hmm. vi- v- the violence. But man, watching this movie, I got so angry at when people talk about the beautiful cinematography of like shit like Mandy that that looks oh. that looks that looks like fucking garbage and you watch the duelists and you're like yeah this is like goddamn beautiful cinematography this, this, I don't even know I can't mm-hmm. even believe that this could be shot and look this good every goddamn frame of the movie is like mm-hmm. wow look at that shot cuz most movies so- aren't so most movies aren't like that they're like punctuated by mm-hmm. like some nice sh- cinematography, but this is like every shot. It's just like, oh, that's a painting. That's like a study of painting. And you're like, okay, so like really, Scott comes from this like commercial background, and so he is just laying it on. He's making this movie look like paintings. He's like studying the light composition to make this thing look right. And yeah, it, it it's incredible. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, you so, watched this for the first time, right? I did. Yeah. And uh, so, like, before he did this, because this is his first feature, but he yeah. he directed music videos for a long time, right? Yeah. Is that what he was doing? Commercials and stuff. I mean, there, was no, there was no music videos. Oh, it was just commercials? Yeah. Okay. That's that's what I thought. It was like, because he definitely did something before. But, yeah, it looks great. Like, all those shots of the countryside look so fucking good. That final shot? Yeah, the final <laughs> shot is great. Um, and then... The one that I actually liked a lot was uh, when they get into the winter land oh, the, the, and the, the, to Russia <laughs> in in Russia. Yeah. And they're just both there and it's just snowing. I, I thought that all looked awesome. It was great. It was great, Jared. Wait, they're both there, right? Yeah. 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 And they look at each other. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, all right, let's go duel somewhere else mm-hmm. while we're all, fr- or we're all freezing to death. We might like, we're all miserable, but we got to go do our dueling because like, Duel- we, mm-hmm. we're both alive. Yeah. yeah. So I also, yeah, this was the first watch for me. Uh, I really liked it because it's great. It looks great. Um, I love the idea of two guys that hate each other so much that there's, there's just this entire movie about them dueling every chance, every time they see each other. Uh, because you know, I know people like that. I mean, I don't duel them to the death when I see them, like people that I hate, Jarrett. <laughs> but when I see them, my my whole being fills with fills with hate. You know what that's like? There's this guy named Jared Duncan. I just hate this fucking piece of shit. Well, guy. it's kind of like Hulk Hogan and uh, Randy Savage, you know? Sure. Yeah, exactly. So it's uh, one of the great uh, rivalries. And then, yeah, it's super, like, practical in a sense. Like, the way that they... I really like how they have a variety of different weapons that they duel with duel with each time where it's like at some point it's fencing swords and then it's like long blades and then it's pistols and they, they kind of do the whole gamut. Uh, but I also like how they show like there's the one fight where they're in like the cellar or whatever and it yeah. shows how exhausting fighting would be <laughs> mm-hmm. where they're just like so tired. They're just like flaps. 
just hopelessly swinging fucking blades at each other like bah. yeah yeah the duelist is wicked it's real good yeah uh, very good yeah it's a great first movie that's for sure Mm-hmm. yeah and, duelist is cool and then what did he follow that up with rj i don't know imagine his his your favorite thing in the world aliens mm. well i didn't know that i thought maybe legend was next so you watched uh did you watch alien covenant too oh, this week no i just watched alien what the fuck dude i'm not watching alien covenant why not the movie sounds terrible maybe you sound Man, terrible I, nothing nothing oh we'll get there so i watched hey, alien tell me about alien i watched alien and uh yeah alien's pretty good Mm-hmm. Alien's pretty good. I watched the. Alien's pretty good. I watched the making of the the Beast Within, the Was making cool? of Alien. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, same guy who made this also did the Dangerous Days Making Blade Runner uh, documentary that we'll talk about later, and mm. it just lays it out all the process. And because Alien is like, if anything, just a, it's sort of the fallout of Jodorowsky's Dune never happening. Mm. All these people kind of came together. Uh, Ridley Scott gets involved. Uh, apparently at some point uh, Robert Altman was thought of as being a director for Alien which tells you that mm-hmm. I guess they thought of this movie as a, a kind of a prestige movie like they wanted to make like a real serious science fiction movie mm-hmm. and they're like yeah let's get Bob Altman <laughs> which is so <laughs> who else oh who else and uh, that didn't work out. But then they got that Ridley Scott, who, uh, I guess, he read the script, said, yeah, I like this, went back to England, storyboarded the whole goddamn thing out like a comic. Because mm-hmm. apparently, like, mm-hmm. the one thing that I'm really curious about is that there's not a lot of emphasis on just, like, how much of a comic nerd Ridley Scott must have been. Cause well, he, Dangerous Days talks about it a bit. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, no one talks about it outside of these documentaries. Where they're like, oh, yeah, he draws. But it's like, you look at his drawings, you're like, oh, this has got that real uh, heavy metal uh, European... Uh, stuff to it and you're like thinking like oh that's really curious I'm surprised people don't talk about this more like talk about his drawings I guess yeah but anyway so yeah Alien is uh better than Aliens it's better than Aliens Aliens fucking uh, rated is Aliens speaking of overrated oh man I I, I, I should rewatch it again uh, I like you should Cameron. rewatch it to see how fucking annoying Bill Paxton is <laughs> what about Paul Reiser Oh, uh, director of Mishima? Yeah. Everyone's and first reformed? Paul Reiser. Paul Reiser, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, like, I think Aliens is cool. I like Aliens, but Alien is, like, it's fucking awesome, man. Alien is so good. The opening it's shot so of the movie. better than Aliens. The opening shot, so, yeah, the first thing you get is, like, the, the slow pan over, like, a, a spaceway, and, like, you get the, the slow roll of the, the alien text. Very mm-hmm. slow over the credits. And then it cuts to the interior of the Nostradamus. And it's just like these shots of the inside of the ship. And there's no talking because everybody's still in cryogenic sleep. And it's just no noise. The movie's not like rushing to get anywhere. And you get this like little uh, message from uh, base. And they're like, oh, there's a report. Hey, we better go pick that up. They wake up the crew. And you have no idea. And then all the characters wake up groggily. They all get together for breakfast and they all start chatting kind of like a Robert Altman movie over top of one another, talking about when they get them get paid. They don't know exactly where they're at. And then they're like, wait a minute, what do you mean we're not at Earth yet? Why are we up already? And then they're like pissed off because, oh shit, there's an emergency call and uh, the corporation mm-hmm. has rules in your contract because uh, they're all like, you know, blue collar workers in space. 
hey, you have to go take, you have to go deal with this shit. And uh, so they do. They go to terrifying alien planet, like something right mm-hmm. out of uh, Planet of the Vampires, which doesn't get name checked at all in the Beast Within. What? Yep. The fuck. But I think that's more in Prometheus, the Planet of the Vampire stuff. But yeah, it's. it's- it's in it's in both. Yeah, I think like I, yeah, especially the planet stuff. I think and there's like the dead kind of fossilized bodies, oversized humans and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and then the, there's the yeah, yeah. So yeah, all that stuff. It's great. Eh? The atmosphere, the the look of it is just unbelievable. It's Hell all yeah. It's just yeah. Uh, what about that cat? That oh, is that an alien? No, yeah, that, that's, that's an alien. alien. Oh yeah, there's there's uh, that's good kitty. J- J- Jonesy. Yeah, is it named Jonesy? Yeah. Nice. So I like kitties. Yep. No. Yeah. Man. Aliens fucking awesome. Everyone thinks so. Yep. Alien. That's why they're trying to make like a fucking million of them now. Still, for some reason. But for you know, some... but you know what yeah. isn't awesome? What's that, Jarrett? Uh, skipping over his follow-up film, Blade Runner, for the time being. His yeah. his follow-up follow-up to Alien, Legend. He Star- followed up Blade Runner with Legend. Correct. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Starring who? Tom the Booze Cruise. <sighs> Baby. Legend. Hey, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Whale sounds the yeah, movie. As uh, Link himself. He is kind of, but he's like somehow more out of it than Link ever was. And Link's pretty out of it in a lot of those Zelda games. He's like, huh? <laughs> what? Huh? Who? So Legend's kind of one of those... Uh, Famous examples of really beautiful bad movies. I agree. Yeah, this movie looks awesome. It, it looks, sure does. It, it uh, t- when you talk about do lists, it's like actually a good movie. It has beautiful mm-hmm. cinematography. Legend has like exquisite cinematography. It looks like a mm-hmm. pre-Raphaelite uh, painting, from, like uh, late nineteenth-century English painters, like just like the use of light and like landscape incredible mm-hmm. and the movie is so goddamn badly edited and i don't know sometimes like i feel like watching some of these movies the last like little bit mm-hmm. i feel like stuff like game of thrones has kind of ruined these movies like even more so because i don't think legend was ever very good i don't think anyone mm-hmm. ever loved it other than oh it's like the only like sword and sorcery movies that we've got so we better like like them Mm-hmm. But it's got like tiny things, or not tiny things, tiny things. But they have like good Tim things. Curry is like Curry's like, like, like other yeah, than the, that, the Lord of Darkness, that costume, yeah. Rob Bottin, the man of behind the thing, special effects, mm-hmm. he's in there. And yeah, that costume that is so awesome. That character is so cool. I love mm-hmm. the idea of it. I love the D and D kind of like dungeon crawl classic sort of vibe I get from Legend. But mm. oh, nothing happens for so much of it. The first forty-five minutes, and I'm not exaggerating, Jared. As you, is, do you are you are now? Is this like uh, an RJ not exaggerating? Or is I'm not exaggerating. Actually, you, you confirm the first, this. The entire first forty-five minutes is a uh, satyr telling Tom Cruise about all of the bad stuff he did. Is it not? It's it's the entire first forty minutes of this movie, or it's not even a satyr. It's just like some pixie elf dude, Gump. Yeah, he's just like, the, the he's like, you boy. let her see a unicorn. You let her touch a unicorn. And it's just him fucking screaming. And it's like, for it's forever. Forever. <laughs> yep. 
The movie doesn't start until an hour and 20 minutes in. And then you only have 20 minutes of Tim Curry doing his thing. Yeah, you barely see him until he shows up at the very, very end. Yeah. But you get like these like shittily shot scenes of him in a chair, like Dr. Claw, talking to one of his goblins, explaining, I need in no sense. And uh, the the goblins look wicked too, though, by the way. They're okay. I like them. They're okay. Like, I like the one with the helmet. Like, yeah, like that one's pretty cool, but uh, mm-hmm. the rest of them, it's like they don't really. The voices suck. The dub, the weird dubbing of it. Yeah. Uh, did you watch the director's cut or did you watch the original? I watched one? whatever is two hours long. Okay, that's the director's cut. Oh yeah, so that's what the forty minutes of that uh, fucking. Uh, elf if talk there's is. if there's one thing that Ridley Scott likes is director's cuts. Director's cuts. Yeah, for his real vision, where he can uh, super glue fucking horns on the horse's head some more. Yeah. Which, by the way. That's got to be like some sort of. There's no glue. Inhumane. Well, how do they hold those horns on those there, horses? Okay, when I, I was looking at it, there's like clearly like straps in like there. You so know what I think it really is? Nails. It's probably fucking nails. They probably nailed those horns right into those yeah. dudes' heads. Yeah. Fucking animals. <laughs> so yeah, Legend has an uh, an amazing Tim Curry. But Tom Cruise is just there doing nothing. And uh, what's her face from Ferris Bueller? She's just there doing whatever. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's she's, super boring. She's no Jennifer Connelly. In uh, Labyrinth or what are you talking about? Or anything. Phenomena, Labyrinth, okay. ca- career opportunity. Karina Karina, that movie with Whoopi Goldberg and Ray, Ray Liotta. Yeah. Yeah, so Legend. Looks awesome, but... Holy crap. It's pretty fucking boring. Yeah, it's it's reputation of being not a very good movie is true. It's like the editing is not good, the mm-hmm. the setups of it. I think there's like the one other scene that's not too bad is when they're in like the like fire pit hole with like the oh. ogres that's just like chopping somebody to death. Oh, off, that's cool. Off in the yeah. background. I'm like, how the fuck did they like that's horrific, but it's like there's a little mm-hmm. detail off in the back. And it's like no one was paying attention to that, I guess. But yeah, that's back in the early eighties when uh you could just do whatever you wanted. Mm-hmm. I do whatever I want, Jared. Yeah. Uh, RJ, I, I followed this up with his next movie, Someone to Watch Over Me, with Tom Berenger of Platoon. Uh, this movie is not good at all. It doesn't either. sound good. It's just like the most stock, like kind of like thriller, where like um, mm-hmm. uh, Mimi Driver sees a, a guy get ganked uh, in a club by a mobster. So now she's the mm-hmm. only witness. She's the key witness on this real bad dude. Tom Berenger's a cop who just got promoted to detective. And now he's like on like a watch detail, making sure she makes it to trial and they fall in love. And then what? Well, the problem is, is he's married with a kid. He's married to uh, Tony Soprano's psychiatrist, <gasps> uh, Henry Hill's wife from Goodfellas. Can't remember Whoa. her name. I'm blinking on her name right now. She's in this, and uh, there's like lots of things about like like showcasing like her butt. She's like, oh man, my butt's falling, and it's like, so that's it's per- what? It's falling. It's sinking. Falling where? To the ground, and you're like, oh, she's she's a pretty fetching lady. I don't mm. know what the problem is here. The movie driver. She's a classy rich lady. She she uh, oh mini driver, eh? Yeah. So whatever. This movie is so like I mean. A couple of years ago, I went on my big kick of like eighties, mm. nineties thrillers. This is just like nothing. No one talks about this movie. Nobody likes this movie. It's like not even like interestingly shot. 
like yeah, it it felt it could have been directed by anybody, like us. Yep, you and I could have made this movie. Sure, with podcast bucks. With that like eight dollars we get every fucking year. You ready? You ready to start uh, preparing for the heat though? We're going to get on us here. What for this episode? Yeah, so I'll say it again later. But this is where we jump the shark. Yeah, this so, is this is happening. So I so I I've already seen um, Black Rain. I've already seen that movie. Didn't want to sure. watch it again. So I jumped ahead, watched Thelma and Louise. Oh, you're gonna hate on Thel- Thelma and Louise? Huh? I am going to. Uh, okay, sure. I remember vo- liking it, but I, I watched it. I'm gonna voice kid. my uh, huge disappointment with this movie. So okay. I've been hearing okay. about how great this movie is for so long that, mm-hmm. and I've never seen it. I, I knew the, I knew what I knew about it from the Simpsons. I just like knew how it all ended. That was about it. And it was like, uh, a lot of people were like, oh, it's Ridley Scott's best movie in years. It's one of his highlights. This movie is like, it feels like a exploitation movie about like, that would have been made in the seventies, but made with studio money with name directors, huge film crew, and all the problems with like mainstream Hollywood filmmaking. The music in this movie sucks so bad. Every time what, it, uh, it's like Big it's, Rock Candy Mountain. No, it's just like this like it's got this like country music that comes in at times. It, it's like Isn't there that song when they're the police chase where it's like rainbow lollipops and sunshine everything? <laughs> everything. No, no. That's not actually in the movie. That is not in this movie. Oh, that's movie. a bummer. Yeah, that's a real bummer. So Simpsons did it better then. Yeah. Is what you're saying. Um the Yeah, I don't I don't know. This movie uh bummed me out. So I, was, I, I watched was it when I was bored. a little kid. Yeah. And okay. I remember when we were about to do this like a week or two ago, you're like, I'm gonna watch Thelma and Louise. And I was like, Yeah, that's a good show. I remember liking it, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't have a rating on it because I couldn't even tell I couldn't even tell you when I watched that. It was probably fifteen years ago. Yeah, no, I mean, most people seem to watch it and still really like this movie, but mm. man, oh man, I... Uh, Tell me more about the Simpsons episode. Well, um... Marge fed up with her family and her <sighs> neglectful <sighs> husband uh, makes a friend with uh, a bad girl. Yeah, so Gina Davis, she, mm-hmm. she, uh, she I don't know if she's a, she's a stay-at-home wife. Her husband's played by Shooter McGavin. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, uh, he's just a dick, like just bad, mm-hmm. bad human being, bad husband. Adam Sandler uh, villains popping Susan up everywhere. Susan Sarandon uh, mm-hmm. here. She's a uh, kind of a woman that's like knows is a bit more worldly than Gina Davis. Uh, she's seeing uh, Michael Madsen. Yeah, who's like a a John Lurie wannabe. And uh, they they're they're planning an all girls trip that they just like leave town. Uh, Gina Davis doesn't tell her husband, and they go hit a bar on their way to this cabin that somebody's like mm. given to them for the weekend. And while there, Gina Davis has one too many drinks. There's a, a handsy uh, rockabilly type of dude who uh, mm. starts bringing her out to the parking lot to do a number on her with his penis. To do what? And um, so there's like a very wow. like, there's a lot of setup for like a real vicious rape scene. Susan mm-hmm. Sarandon shows up with a gun, prevents it, and they start walking away. And this guy just starts running his fucking mouth, 
calling people cunts and what have you. And uh, Susan Sarandon's not having it anymore and just guns him down because shoots him right in the gut and he's dead. Then they're like, oh, shit, we just murdered a man. And uh, Mm. so they go on the run and Harvey Keitel, uh, (gasps) he's the the lead detective. And uh, he's like, no, nothing about this doesn't add up. And uh, nothing so, about it, or no, something, something about, it. about this doesn't add up. Oh. Everything I'm hearing about this girl, uh, the doesn't sound like she'd be the type of person that would do this. Hey, mm-hmm. so uh, hey. the movie is yeah. like them, like kind of like assuming the worst, and they're just on the run. And uh, there's a whole thing about like, we're gonna go to Mexico, and Brad Pitt shows up, and characters mm-hmm. do really dumb things because the screenplay says so. Um, it's just like, why would you leave your really your friend who has very poor judgment with all your money in the world? Why would mm-hmm. you do that? Oh, because it needs to get stolen later. I see. So it's shit like that. In scenes that like, so you liked it? No. The, okay, there's this one scene that's like so 1991, um, where uh, they get pulled over by a cop, and the cop knows who they are, and he's about to drop the hammer on them. And then Gina Davis shows up, puts a gun in his face. The cop, like, you know, shits his pants. And they put him in the trunk of the car, making some bullet holes in the trunk so he can breathe. Which is Mm -hmm. like, uh, he's in the desert. Like, he still probably would die. It's like, even if you roll down the window on a car, like, children and dogs die. Putting this guy in the trunk of a car, it's like, he's going to die no matter what. So anyway, that that, it's like a gimmick. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, isn't that funny? Because then what happens, RJ? They they cut what happens back, next? They, they cut back to that scene later, and there's like a Rastafarian man riding on a bike <gasps> through the desert who's smoking a big blunt, and then he hears like this cop saying, "Hello, help me! I help! I need your help! I need your assistance! Uh, harm people took me! Please help me!" And then the guy goes over there. He takes a big pull, and then he blows it into the trunk hole. Mm. Ah, because I don't know for some reason like Hollywood was really into like. Rastafarians in like the early nineties. Is that kind of like uh, Dan Aykroyd in Rastafarian face in uh, Trading Places? Well, that's even that's a bit earlier. That's eighty three. Ah, uh, even better. Hey, I don't know something about like this. It's not just like, ugh, what is this belonging in this movie? Like, it's this swing. Like the tone is just going back and forth. Anyway, I yeah, that sounds good. No, I I didn't like. I was I was shocked by how much I did not like mm. this movie. Well, then, that's good. And then. Sure. Uh, if I had more time in my life, I would have watched mm-hmm. some more uh, these like '90s uh, Ridley Scott movies. But no, I skipped right along to Kingdom Good. of Heaven. Oh, baby! So tell RJ, me about Kingdom of Heaven. You tell me about Kingdom of Heaven because what do you uh, want to know about Kingdom of Heaven, Jerry? Well, see, in my mind, I'm thinking like RJ probably loves this movie because it's like everything he he says he likes. He likes big sweeping epics big battles uh this mm-hmm. this is like that 90s early 2000s cinema that he's always on about with braveheart and his man mel the fallen son and this has got like you know legolas and catholics <laughs> and catholics so kingdom of heaven is a movie that i want to be so much more than it is because all i've wanted for a long time is a very over-the-top depiction of the Crusades. And I don't mean over-the-top like Paul W.S. Anderson, like Resident Evil type shit. I just mean like... (laughs) I don't mean that. I I just mean like really show the fucking fighting. That's what I want. 
this focuses too much on the politics, like all like they all do, which I I, I understand. There were some there were some politics involved in the Crusades. Some, some politicking. There was some politicking involved in the Crusades. I understand that. I understand that. You can have that in there too. And there's some fighting. Like there's one scene where a guy gets like his body gets cut in half. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Where it's like someone on horse swipes down and the guy kind of like splits open. I was like, ooh, fuck. That's cool. But I don't think this is a good movie. And it really bummed me out because it, it, it has everything I would want to like in it. How and about think, that uh, color grading in the first uh, like half hour of yeah, well, this? I, I was going to say, I think the thing that hurts this movie the most out of anything is the first 40 minutes. Uh, especially the first 20 minutes. Like the first 20 minutes of this movie, I feel like are really like, it really pulled me out of it because you have this setup with Orlando Bloom where they're like, well, he's a blacksmith and he had a great life, but his wife killed herself. And now he's trying to get like to save her soul. But then you get and his brother is a dick. You get all this weird shit with like Michael Sheen where he's like, you can get her salvation. You can save her soul. Join the Crusades. And you have like Liam Neeson and his group. They're like, you should join the Crusades. You'd be the best of us. My big, and then big, like big Jeremy. Everyone, the entire movie is like, you'd be the best of us. And it's like, why is like, what has this fucking guy done to have all of this? Like, do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause everyone's just like, you're, you're the, you're the one. And it's like, why, what has this guy ever fucking done to deserve any of this credit? Like nothing. He was a blacksmith. Who gives a shit? So like, I, I really like that really fucking pulled me out of it. And then you get like he actually goes to Liam Neeson's little camp and he's with them for what f- five seconds, <laughs> five seconds maybe. And then they come. They're like, we're going to take him right now real quick. Because like. well, you just murdered your brother. Yeah, we're going to take him real quick like and we're going to get him out of here. And they're like, no, you won't. And then they fight. And then he's just like good at fighting now. And then he just goes on and fights more. Like, I don't know. The the opening to this movie really bummed me out, and it really set a bad taste in my mouth for the entire movie. Then you get dudes in like iron masks, which look really cool, but then they don't do anything. Edward Norton is the Leper King. Yeah, like that was oh, look, man when, that, when this, cool, when this movie came out, that was like oh yeah. Do you know who plays the king? It's Edward Norton because everyone was like, remember Fight Club? <laughs> like that's all it was. It's uh well, you have that, and then you have hour. A, you have a what the fuck is yeah? Any, so, uh, what, what is it? Edward the Bruce? What, what, or, uh, what is God, it called? G- Braveheart. Oh God, I don't remember. Hey, uh, in Robert your version, the Bruce? In, in your version, so did you get like? Uh, I'm not sure if it was a theatrical cut because I, of course, I had to watch. I opted to watch Robert the, 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 the 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 long version of this thing because I did too, as, as Ridley demands it. And like, I wonder if in the theatrical version they have like the sh- scene where uh, Edward Norton's uh, leper face gets revealed. Because when they pop that, oh, I'm yeah. like, why For is sure. that there? And I'm like, oh fuck, it's just like Hannibal. It's like Gary Oldman's um, mutant face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's yeah, like there's definitely that thing, but. I also didn't like how like the one general or whatever for Kingdom of Heaven was literally just Robert the Bruce. Do you know the guy I'm talking about? Y- yeah. He looks exactly fucking like him and you're just like you're like what are you going for here, man? What are you going for here, man? 
so anyways uh yeah uh, battle scenes. I think kingdom of, he- of heaven should be fucking amazing yeah because i like that catholic shit and i i actually do think like a an, like a crusades movie would be awesome like i i would love it, a, a good crusades movie is that because you want to just kill muslims on top of women i would love a good crusades movie for reasons that are personal to me and uh those are my own opinions like we like bowl <laughs> he'll like maybe Uwe i feel like he might uh have that movie that you want to see up his sleeve well i would i would love to see it no i just i would just like a movie where it's just real grisly fucking fighting for like two hours and then on the side they're like hey, what about the what about watch, those muslims yeah we could watch yeah. uh 300 Catholics. The, Maybe I will watch. It's got those, I mean, they're not Muslims. But I mean, they're Persians. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, what's the difference? There, see, RJ, you're so problematic. Oh, that wasn't RJ. That was the character that he plays. In, RJ, indeed. Uh, yeah, Kingdom of Heaven, I was also, like, pretty underwhelmed by this. It's fine. I, I think I maybe even liked it more than you did, but it's, like, not really saying much. I was pretty, you don't I, have any Catholic guilt. I was pretty uh, tuned out by the end. Uh, actually, I do want to watch the making up for this, though, because it's the same dude that Charles de la Zorro, blah, blah. He also made the, the making of this, which apparently is fantastic, better than the movie, which I wouldn't be surprised by. Or the Dangerous Days guy? Yep. Yeah, finally, he's cool. Finally, RJ. I watched The Martian. Is Oh, you did. I did. Did you like it? Not well, really. Well, I don't know. So, I like The Martian. I thought in, it was good. So, in my mind, The Martian is Castaway, which is a movie I've never seen, but I have a mental image that it's like when people complain about it. Wait a minute. Well, it's just a movie. A I have it. Hey, I have the Blu-ray. You've never seen Castaway? I, ha- I have. RJ, let me gesture you here towards you. Are you fucking mind? I have a copy of the Blu-ray sitting right over there in my to-watch pile now because I was like, you know what? It's time to actually watch this thing. You've because never seen Castaway. I, because when that movie came out, I didn't. it didn't sound like anything I wanted to see because I, I really don't like Tom Hanks that much. Wow. And uh, so I was thinking The Martian was going to be like a movie where you just like, oh, God, you have to hang out with Matt Damon in like for two hours and that's it. Like, that's what I thought The Martian was. Have you seen The Martian? Yes. Okay. So I liked it when I watched it. So I'm watching The Martian and I'm like, oh, Jessica Chastain. And then, but then she leaves Uh and I'm like, okay, good, good. She's gone. (laughs) That's weird. How's this movie set up? I'm like, how are they going to explain all this? Like they got to rescue him at some point, right? Like how do they do Mm -hmm. all that? Oh, there's Jeff Daniels. He's being a jerk. (laughs) Oh, there's Sean Bean. Is he going to survive this movie? Oh, there's Donald Donald Glover. Glover. But he's like the crazy scientist. He knows math and it's like all in his head and he's, he's weird and comedic reliefy. And there's, like and, there's and there's and there's Benedict Wong, who I'll see again later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, you do see him again later on. I do. Nexus Dawn. Yes. So uh, the Martian, like, it's a lot of CGI. Uh, yes, it is. I love. The, I like that hard science stuff they got in there, which mm-hmm. like it's very like I'm talking to you with my found footage camera because just in case no one's around, I'm going to tell you what I'm doing right now out loud. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. okay, whatever. I can deal with that. This is acceptable. Yeah. Uh, so Matt Damon, the plot of this movie, he's an astronaut with NASA. And there's a, a big storm that comes and says, hey, we got to get out of this place for some reason. 
because it'll destroy everything. Better get going. And on the way that when they're like escaping, they're not like using like, hey, let's use like some rope so we stick together. Oh, there's no time for that. Let's just run. Even though okay, one of the problems with this movie, they don't really talk about the gravity situation of Mars. They're just moving around like willy nilly. Mm. Mr. Yeah, Ridley th- Scott, I knew there was water on Mars before everyone else. Is that what he says? That's a, yeah, you look up Ridley Scott News, and it's like the like one of the last things. It's like he's going to do another alien movie, and he knew about water on Mars. That's pretty funny. Yeah. I like that. I like that. He's a, Whatever. What a goof. So anyway. Uh, well, it was probably so it probably gets, wasn't in the book, so they had hit. no point he, to mention so it. So Matt Damon gets hit by some debris. He gets left yeah. behind because they assume he's dead, but he's alive, and he's going to like figure out a way to like stay alive as long as possible. Before, so if someone notices, they do. He's growing potatoes with poop. Um, oh, yes, he he's good. listening to disco music, and he talks about oh, I hate disco, and it's like ha ha ha. So this movie's a crowd pleaser, RJ. It's, yes. It's, uh, so anyway. Then they get into like the ridiculousness of the rescue mission, mm. and it's like it totally works. Like it's like when oh he man, off. yeah, it totally it's it's cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like I mean, being an astronaut is like a really terrifying proposition. But uh, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, tell me more. It's fine. This movie's okay, but oh, no. the, the 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 mainstreamness of this movie. The like, let's get this and let's get people into this prestige movie that was like, we want those Oscars right now. Bring them up to the back of the office. It has mm-hmm. that kind of vibe. It, it's yeah. there's like moments where you're like, you think that, like, I want that uncompromising, like, card intelligence uh, for yeah. my for my uh, Ridley Scott movie. I like, I want him to be like, yeah. more like a Stanley Kubrick, but he's not, he's never going to be that. He he wants to no. be, but he gave up. He don't give a shit no more. Fuck it, as he would say. Yeah, he's old. He doesn't fucking care. No, he's just making. I, I, love think, mo- I love making movies. I think the thing about the Martian, more interesting than the movie, is just the like the guy who wrote it and how he just published it on Amazon. Oh, is that and then the it got, story behind that? Yeah, he was like a programmer or something like that. Like he, he seems like a smart enough guy, and he just mm-hmm. self because Amazon has that self-publish feature. Yeah, I don't know how like. Uh, like what the legal ramifications of that are where if you publish on Amazon, like I don't know what the rights and all foreseeing profits go to for all those other things. It would but, go to the author, but, but I'm sure like Amazon gets a cut. They of get the a taste money. of that. Well, I'm, yeah. Cause they're, they're the platform. Of course. Uh, so I don't know. I think that's more interesting than uh, the movie itself, but whatever. Because you want to be an author on Amazon, and then your movie will be turned into a, a middling uh, crowd pleaser directed by how, Ridley Scott. Yeah, how Jared Duncan ruined my life, and then it'll get direct. It, it, the screenplay will be written by Max Landis, and then the movie will be directed by Mick Garris. That's all. What, that's what you deserve. And it'll star Bill Paxton. So RJ, yeah, tell me about Kevin Spacey. Oh. <laughs> Well, he's not in this movie, Jared. Oh, they refilmed the entire movie with, with our Canadian brethren, Christopher Plumer. Christopher Plumer, who's like a hundred fucking years old, isn't that crazy? Still, How old he is? Still kicking. Nineteen twenty-nine. So fuck, he's ninety. He looks ninety in this one, though. Okay, so Christopher Plumer. So I watched all the Money in the World. It was on Crave, so I was like, whatever, it's on there. I'll watch that shit. Uh, this is that story. Uh, the too crazy not to be true story about the Gettys where um, 
that one guy, what's his name? Jean Paul Getty. He was the oil tycoon who brought like took all the oil out of uh, the the desert and, and whose son and, and son went on to direct the Evil Within. That's right. So you get a little bit of his son in this. Is that the same guy then? Yeah, because he's like addicted to drugs. Yeah. Fuck, I didn't even piece that together. That's pretty cool. Very cool. So anyways, uh, so he was like the richest guy of all time. They they make a point to say that. Mark Wahlberg has a line in this. You have all the money in the world. You have more money than anyone has ever had in the world. What's keeping you back? And Christopher Plummer's like, I might need it. I like money. Leave me alone. <laughs> so I, I I sympathize with him in this movie. Like he's not like uh, they don't paint him in a light that's unlikable. He's totally likable as this like super cheap ass old man. Like they show they make a point to show how cheap he is where he he's doing his own laundry laundry in his bathtub and he like buys a toy for his grandson. He's like it was worth a million dollars, but he actually just bought it from like the some guy on the street for like a buck. It just shows like how cheap he is. And I was like, yeah, I get it. Real Scrooge. Real Scrooge. So the true story, this guy has all the money in the world. Wow. Uh, (laughs) People know that. So they uh, kidnap his grandson. And the whole thing is that uh, they want ransom. And he's just like, no. He's like, fuck it. I ain't paying it. He's like, uh, because everyone's like, why won't you pay it? And he's like, because I don't want to. He's like, and I got a bunch of grandkids. He's like, what are they all going to get fucking kidnapped now? He's like, fuck that shit. So he he doesn't want to pay it, Jared. So that's what this movie is about. Is it Ridley Scott E-esque? Does it got that Ridley touch, that Lubitsch touch? Not really. Uh, if you had shown this movie to me and said it was Ridley Scott, I would have said, oh, really? Cool. Because <laughs> I don't think there's anything like it. I think this movie is trying to be Munich, but it's not Munich. <laughs> If that makes sense, it's like a lot of European streets with like yellow and orange lights kind of glowing. And it's like, oh, some people might say that's Ridley Scott-esque. It's not. It's like 1150s France. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's not bad. It's okay. Uh, but I don't know. Unless you were actually interested in the real story, I wouldn't recommend this to fucking anybody. Mark Wahlberg is pretty miscast in this. <laughs> or I, well, I don't know. Maybe that's what the fucking he, real he guy. He often is. Maybe that's what the real guy looked like or was like. I guess like he plays this guy who was like ex-military, but now he's like uh, Getty's personal, um, uh, like negotiator. Where they're like, we want a million dollars, and he would go and he'd be like, I'll give you twenty bucks, and they'd be like, uh, no, we want a million. And he'd be like, I'll give you ten bucks. He he's like that guy. So he's the guy who gets like. <laughs> put in charge of the uh the hostage negotiations mm-hmm. but i don't know there it's still it's it's a completely competent movie and that's it that's it it's it's fine it's just i don't it's like i, I if you told me it was really scott i, I would have been like okay sure if you say so other than that i don't really know what else to tell you jared tough but fair tough but fair so is that the end of uh, the Ridley Scott embargo? Uh, yeah. Yep. That's Holy the, fuck. That, that's the run. Um, you want any news for us? Fuck no. Let's move on. Hey, I just saw that sci-fi canceled <gasps> Deadly Class and Happy. A lot of people were pretty pissed off about that Deadly Class one. 
Did, did that show is that actually on? Yeah, it is. No one talks about it. Nobody no one, talks about I'm it. I'm not sure why, that's what happens when things get canceled. It's cuz nobody watches them. Mm-hmm. There's so much fucking TV. There's so much TV, Jared. There is so much TV, Jared. I mean, it's I, fucking I'm, unbelievable. N- now that I've got uh this this uh whole Blade Runner and really Scott thing behind me, I'm probably going to watch that Chernobyl. I've heard that's uh, the bee's knees. Hey, that's on Crave. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. All right, folks. After the break, I'm a lot gonna, more talking. I'm going to retire RJ, you man who just keeps talking. He doesn't understand emotions. I understand emotions. Is the retirement death? I'll take you to off world. To show you pain you've never known. <laughs> People are gonna hate this episode so much. <laughs> Whatever, give the shit. Replicant, replicant, where have you been? Replicant, what is that stuff in your hair? Replicant, why do you lie on the Shoveling handfuls of dirt on yourself You got his eyes Santa's act smile All that he has All this will be yours Replicant someone is waiting outside A Blade Runner's job is to hunt down replicants. Manufactured humans you can't tell from the real thing. What's this? Roy Batty. Probably the leader. There was just one outfit making replicants that superhuman. The Terrell Corporation. Mr. Deckard, Dr. Eldon Terrell. I don't get it, Tyrell. Commerce is our goal here at Tyrell. More human than human is our motto. I was looking for six replicants in a city of 106 million people. You ever seen this girl, huh? Never seen a buzzlove. What I didn't know was they were looking for me. Questions. I just do eyes. Just genetic design. Just die. Hello? I'm in a bar here now, down in the fourth sector. Why don't you come on down here and have a drink? That's not my kind of place. (gasps) 
Time to die. If I didn't care More than words can say If I didn't care Would I feel this way? Excuse me, Miss Salome, can I talk to you for a minute? <laughs> you for real. He's a damn one-man slaughterhouse. I'm going home. And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about Blade Runner from 1982, directed by Ridley Scott. The tagline for this film, man has made his match, now it's his problem. And the <laughs> goofy. And the synopsis of this film uh, from Letterboxd, <clears throat> in the smog-choked dystopian Los Angeles of 2019... Mm. Blade Runner Rick Deckard is called out of retirement to terminate a quartet of replicants who have escaped to Earth, seeking their creator for a way to extend their short lifespans. Cool. It's very direct and to the point. Does anyone, do they ever actually say his first name in this movie? Do they ever, does anyone ever call him Rick? Uh, I don't. Is that... That was weird when you said that. You're like Rick Deckard. I was like, Rick? Yeah, I don't know if they do. It's always Deckard. Who the hell is this Rick guy? I don't want to know him. So first of all, RJ, let me ask yeah. you a question. Okay. Do androids dream of electric sheep? I've heard that they've been known to, but uh, that's a case-to-case basis. Like, uh, what do you dream about? Cheeseburgers? Of an unending darkness. I had some weird dreams the other day, actually. Like, oh, no, so no, I, no, 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 no. Do you want to? I, no, I actually keep notes no, of these. No. So there no. was one. Uh, I There no. was a. Uh, this isn't there, the Dreamcaster. There was a, there was a Dray to Cross Concrete one. I'll save that for next episode. But there, this is my note from a dream I recently had. Ice Adventure. Joe Pesci was a tailor. Susan Sarandon and Jerry Seinfeld. Then back at my mom's old house, a Batmobile rocketed a helicopter. So what do you think? Is that electric sheep or like what is that? I don't know what that is. I didn't just make that up. That was, it's just what I dreamed about, dude. Sarge, let's break this movie down. Have, okay. you, have you ever read the book? I have indeed read the book uh, like two, two, three years ago. That's better than me. I haven't read this since junior high. Because I wanted to be mm. all into that Blade Runner when oh, I was fuck, of like, course you did. oh yeah, no, when I was like 13 years old, I'm like, yeah, I want to be really into Blade Runner. You're totally that kid. 
Oh, I'm really into what's your favorite movie? Like Shrek or Space Jam? I like Blade Runner, <laughs> but uh, the director's cut, not like the theatrical. Hey. When you're like 12 years old. Yeah. So yeah, I we'll get there. But yeah, I um I made a point of after probably renting the Blade Runner director's cut, which would have been like a, a hot ticket then in 1992, uh, 10 years after it initially come out. I'd never like I was you know. 11, 12 years old when that rolled on out. So I was watching, I probably watched it in 95. And all I knew for that point was, you know, I was a nerd kid getting into like science Mm, fiction. I like that Star Wars, that Star Trek. Started reading like, maybe it was like not Starlog magazine, but there was like some sci-fi magazine that was out at the time. And, you know, you couldn't read an issue without it mentioning Blade Runner. And I'm like, oh, it's got Harrison Ford in it. Harrison Ford's so awesome. He's Indiana Jones in Han Solo. I mean, Mm -hmm. and now now he's Blade Runner. (laughs) And so it's like, yeah. And then um, I remember probably watching the movie and then mm-hmm. reading the book because the uh, the novel that was probably very popular around that time at your like mall bookstore would be the one that's got the Blade Runner cover and then in at the bottom, do androids dream of electric sheep? And yeah. I, I remember reading the book and trying to talk to my language arts teacher at junior high who Ooh. saw that I was reading it and he's like, oh, have you ever seen the movie? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah. I, I didn't like the book at all. <laughs> it's like, uh, oh. There's a lot of those. Yeah. Tell me more about the book. And tell me what. Well, tell me about PKD, because I got some opinions on PKD. Okay. Well, I have not read the book for two-thirds of my life now, so mm-hmm. I have not much recollection of it. But I remember, like, a lot of emphasis on deserts and animals and finding animals mm-hmm. in deserts in weird places and having a very different feel than the movie. So... Coming fresh off of it, and at the time, when I read it, uh, like I, I had seen Blade Runner, and spoiler alert, Blade Runner was never like my favorite movie or anything like that. So when I read it, it was way after the fact that I had seen Blade Runner a couple times, and I was like, all right, whatever. I was like, I would like to check out the book, though, because I like Philip K. Dick a lot. I think his work is... Uh, sometimes difficult to read because of the way that he just his language sometimes I think is kind of dry. So it's a little bit tough. Like there a few of his, I haven't read a ton of his stuff. I'd say like maybe half of his works, which is, I guess that's a lot. Uh, but I think some of his stuff comes off a little dry, even like his popular stories. Like I know, um, I have a couple of those library Congress packages that have like a bunch of his novels. There's the one that has, a uh, Man in the High Castle, uh, Three Stigmata of Eldritch Palmer, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, and then, uh, fuck, what is the last one? It's like, it's not Ubik, but it's something yeah, like that. Yeah, it is Ubik. Is, is it Ubik? Okay. Yeah. So that's like, that's probably his most, like, uh, out of those Library of Congress books, that's probably the most well-sold one because it's got all the big ones in it. Yeah. But anyways, what, what I'm, my point was, uh, even Man in the High Castle... I really like that story, but there were certain times where I was just like, it's kind of a smog to get through just because, I don't know, I think it's just older writing for me, I guess. But uh, I like Philip K. Dick. Uh, I like all of his stories. I think he doesn't get as much credit as he should because of the things that he does. I think people really forget his influence, like especially on sci-fi, like things like Minority Report and Blade Runner are obvious. But uh, they're darkly, and, mm-hmm. and and now we got the the Man in the High Castle TV show. 
There's that. Well, and uh, Brian Cranston has that Electric Dreams TV show. Oh. On uh, Amazon Prime, which is a, it's like a collection of his short stories, and I don't know who else is in it. I haven't. I should have watched it, but uh, I was too busy watching fucking Ridley Scott movies, because the movie is quite a bit different from the book. But long story short, Jared, you brought up the book, and uh, yeah, the book is quite a bit different. Uh, quite a bit different. I don't remember the desert aspect, but uh, the one thing I remember a lot is the emphasis on the animals. Yeah, like it is such a big part of the book, and it's mostly just because it's like, it's the whole root of the story basically because it's where, it's all like there's so much emphasis on empathy, and where it's like the learned empathy of humans where after they, they they destroyed the world and they lost all the animals, and then they were like, oh fuck, we missed those guys, so they all brought them back, and it was like this point of privilege to have an animal like rich people had real animals right but even the artificial animals were really expensive and it was this kind of thing where it's like if you had one it was something for people to bond to and kind of relate to kind of like how you know pets are now i guess but it it was like so much more exaggerated whereas like this is the only way people can feel things anymore because of what has happened and where the world went to whereas like people do need like a pet goat to feel like care for something so there was a lot of that in the book there was more other stuff too like you you get more of the uh, hunting down replicants and stuff because i think you get all six in the book but right what what whatever yeah it's the book it's mostly it's just the animal stuff is what uh what i took most out of that where i was like man I was like, I, I like, I really dug the animal stuff, and I was like, that's not. It's kind of in Blade Runner. There, there's enough of it in Blade, Run, Blade Runner, but it's not. You could tell, like, when they were writing it, they're like, ah, that's not important. Let's take that shit out of there. Yeah, yeah. So there's like the weird history of this. Like, so what's the guy's name? The author? Oh, the author of the book, so, Hampton Fanchner, he who wrote the initial screenplay for Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. He mm-hmm. read the book. He loved it, and he's like, yeah, let's pitch it. But, you know, do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Not the sexiest title. And, I mean, yeah. in this, Decker's just a run, run-of-the-mill bounty hunter. So uh, there is a, another book. It's called The Blade Runner from 1974. It's a science fiction novel by a guy named Alan Norse. And yeah. it's about, like, smuggling uh, medical services. What said, kind of services? Medical services. It's like he's okay. a blade, he's a blade runner. So mm. that, that's the concept. And so it's very point, literal. Yeah, and then so at one point, I guess William S. Burroughs like was tapped to do a like story treatment for a film adaptation of the Blade Runner, and so he wrote a book called Blade Runner: A Movie. That like mm-hmm. never happened, and then Fuck, that would have been bad. Well, it's just like, oh, come and then, on, you know that would have been horrible. I have, I have no idea. And so th- they took this term, like, hey, Blade Runner, that sounds good, right? And they use that instead because you watch the movie, and at no point in any of the Blade Runner films do they ever say, "What's a Blade Runner?" <laughs> it's just like, well, it's you're, just kind of like you're you're a, another cop essentially, like you're like a special cop. But you're not a well, cop. But you're a bounty hunter, kind of. Like you have the way you have, uh, the ju- way. Jurors, you have judicial powers when it comes to mm. doing what is needed to do your job. The way I always kind of interpreted it was like even lazier than that, where it's like you know how private detectives are called dicks. Yeah, I was just like, 
I was like, I guess it's just Blade Runner. It's just a euphemism for uh, being a, some kind of detective or like a narc. But it seems to be actually an actual title because there's like other it, Blade it, it Runners. Is. Yeah, that's what I, that's why I meant. Why my yeah. interpretation was lazier than any yeah, of sure. any real thing. I was just like, oh, whatever. There's so, a Blade Runner, I guess. So there you go. Proper, uh-huh. proper acknowledgement to the source material. Uh, there you go. There you go. So. This movie, uh, first time I watched it was because it's heralded as the one of those like big deal science fiction movies. So I would have sure. rented this on VHS from Blockbuster. It's got that really adult looking, great poster art, that great cover, and it's got it had this expression on it, you know, director's cut, and it also uh, letterboxed, and you're like. Oh, what's this all about? What does that mean? And then it was like, I remember uh, it was like a bad thing when you were like a kid. Because it was like, oh, it's got the black bars and it makes the screen all small. Which back in the day when real estate was a premium, when you're watching your screen, having these unnecessary black bars, you're like, oh, God, let's just bring this back. Yeah, that's not what you want. No, not at all. So I remember watching this and I didn't get it, you know, because I was uh, a kid. And I was like, what is this about? It looks cool, but what's it about? I don't get it. So it made no sense to me. People still don't know what it's about, Jerry. People still don't know what it's about. Mm -hmm. So this is this movie, though, that's like, it's stuck around for a really long time. I have bought it on VHS. I've bought it on DVD. I've bought it on uh, a second, like, five-disc edition DVD when I didn't have a Blu-ray player. What about Laserdisc? I know, uh, Laserdisc missed me by, but uh, I you did jump. finally get the the final cut Blu-ray uh, that came out in 2007, and okay. um, that was the, the big deal with that was that there was the the work print version as well included, because this movie's got versions coming out of its ass, RJ. It's what coming out of ass. Okay, sure, sure. So. Sure. We've got the work print. We have the U.S. theatrical version. We have mm-hmm. the, the the international cut, which is what is that? Uh, it's got like some more blood in it, which actually okay. I believe is the version that is on the Criterion Laserdisc that came out. So that's like kind of the the, the at that time was the best cool. way of watching it. And then uh, there came the day where there was like a screening of a work print somewhere along the line that really Scott didn't know about. And then there became interest in doing a director's cut. And then there was the director's cut that came out in 1992 that took out the the Harrison Ford voiceover narration, which I watched for the very first time this week. And oh. and apparently they, they put that version out. And really Scott was like called it a director's cut because that's as good as it's going to get, even though I'm not totally happy with it. And that was the version that like most people started to like really turn a corner around with some people prefer the narrated version Jared. well rj let me tell you they're wrong so, how come so or are we gonna get there so so very wrong oh, we'll get there um and then now there's the final cut and i really like the, the difference in these cuts though is like minutes like we're not talking like the usual ridley scott put on an extra 20 minutes 40 minutes I got to tell my version of the story. It's like just in like sure. small little tweaks. Like it's kind of like almost like Star Wars special edition stuff, but nothing like as egregious as like, Hey, let's put a new Jabba the Hutt in. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. like, Oh, we had a really bad, like stunt 
job done where we had like a woman with a really bad wig running through the plate glass and it never looked right. Let's fix that. And then they do. And like, mm-hmm. if you didn't have that pointed out to you, you'd have no idea it was there. Uh, so stuff like, oh, the sky's the wrong color in this shot. Let's fix that so it all fits in. Like subtle mm-hmm. things that like, hey, that's not a bad thing. And uh, yeah, it's one of those movies for a long time when I would rewatch movies more often. I try to make a point of rewatching Blade Runner about once a year. Because every still t- no, well, I haven't watched it for I like I haven't watched it for since you know the letterboxed era of movie oh, watching okay. happened. Like I haven't probably watched it other than right before uh, 2049 came out. That's probably the okay. One. So I watched it, but before that, it probably been like eight plus years. But I always had tried to make a point of watching it like every year because I always felt every time I watched it, I got something completely different out of it. It always felt like a different experience. And even like in this past week, watching the U.S. theatrical cut the one yep. week and then watching the final cut the next week, I had a completely different response. And But there's yep. an obvious reason for that because holy shit, that Harrison Ford voiceover narration <laughs> is so bad. I I can't even imagine like that being my Blade Runner because of like misplaced nostalgia. And it completely mm-hmm. is because it ruins the movie so much. The the, mm-hmm. the the audio level, at least like on what I was watching, is so much higher and doesn't sound like anything that belongs to the movie. Mm-hmm. The, the dialogue wasn't written by anybody involved with the actual writing of the movie. Um, as Harrison Ford tells us in the Dangerous Minds <laughs> making documentary, it was dangerous just like, it, days. Dangerous Days. Dangerous was, Minds uh, <laughs> is a movie with uh, Jody Foster, or no, wait, Michelle Pfeiffer, that's my right. friend. That's right. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a guy in a room. Yeah. Just, just some dude in, in sweatpants or something. <laughs> yeah, no, he was in a tracksuit. Tracksuit. I see. Okay, a tracksuit. A, tra- a tracky with tracky bottoms, and he's like up to his mm-hmm. up to his waist, and he's typing away, and he's like, "Here you go, read your lines. You're contractually obligated." <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, Harrison Ford claims to this day that he gave his best. He he tried his damnedest. <laughs> and is uh, that what he actually said? Uh, that's a paraphrase, maybe. Oh, I thought he. I thought his thing was. I don't give a shit. There's lines, RJ. Let me read you some. When he's sitting there at the noodle bar, <sighs> sushi. Uh-huh. That's what my what my ex wife used to call me. Cold fish. <laughs> okay. The, some more. The charmer's name was Gaff. I'd seen him around. Bryant must have uh, have upped him to the Blade Runner unit. That gibberish he talked was city speak. Gutter talk, a mishmash of Japanese, Spanish, German, what have you. I didn't really need a translator. I knew the lingo. Every good cop did, but I wasn't going to make it easier for him. Terrific. Terrific. Or whatever was in the bathtub was not human. Replicants don't have scales. (laughs) This is like... Great. And it's Harrison Ford in his like droney board voice. Yeah. Monotone. Like humans don't have scales. Like Tyrell really did a job on Rachel, right down to a snapshot of a mother she never had, a daughter she never was. Replicants weren't supposed to have feelings. Neither were Blade Runners. What the hell was happening to me? <laughs> know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, the one though, Jesus Christ, skin jobs. That's what Brian called replicants in history books. He's the kind of cop who used to call black men niggers. Whoa! In the actual movie? Yep. Wow. Um, Terrific. And, and you have such things as like 
the voiceover narration kicking in like while uh, Roy dies at the end of the movie. Mm. I watched him die all night. It was a long, <laughs> slow thing, and he fought it all. So that's the wrong version of it. I don't know why. <laughs> Here it is. I don't know why he saved my life. Maybe in those last moments, he loved life more than he ever had before. Not just his life, anybody's life, my life. All he'd wanted was the same answers the rest of us want. Where do I come from? Where am I going? How long have I got? All I could do is sit there and watch him die. <laughs> this is so... Oh. Hey, I think the word you're looking for is eloquent. 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 Yeah. Oh, terrific. Mm. So, yeah, watching this movie, I, I go mm-hmm. back. And, I've always gone back and forth on it. Um, do I think it is a on the movie itself or the the narrator? The movie version? itself. Okay. The Blade okay. Runner is a movie. I kind of assume that most people listening to the 150th episode of the Criterion Crease podcast right. are familiar with Blade Runner as a movie. It's a it should be Harrison Ford. He's he's in a, he's in a trench coat. He's uh he's tracking down some some replicants and mm-hmm. uh Roy old uh fuck Roy who Batty Roy Batty Roy Batty he's he's on Canadian he's, he's boy Rutger Hauer Canadian boy is he not Canadian No Are you sure yes. Wait born in the Netherlands Okay he's yeah. not Canadian he, he, He's a flying Dutchman. He's, he's a good personal why, friend of Paul Verhoeven. Why did I think he was Canadian? I, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Is uh, Edward James almost Canadian? Uh, he's that guy. Is so, that, that guy is so into Blade Runner. So, so I'm just going to interrupt you. Yeah. Cause I do that. Uh, so, you know, when Edward James almost is speaking his Hungarian talk about horse stick. I recognize that I didn't even realize that was a line in this movie and I was watching this this week and he said Lofas or I think he says Lofa, but uh, I know it is Lofas because in my family, Jared, we say the Lofas is the horse cock uh, when you're trying to talk up somebody. You say like a Lofas, he's got a horse cock. And uh, I was like, whoa, did he just drop a horse cock in this movie? And I was pretty blown back by it fascinating you think he's canadian james hong is canadian surely james hong so uh this movie <laughs> it, it kicks off uh with the scene that i like didn't realize how hilarious it was to watching it this time uh we got um is it brian james the, kevin james from not, king of queens yeah everyone's favorite brian, kevin james. yeah brian it, it's spelt weird but yeah, yeah brian james brian james so god god bless him he, he died too young he mm-hmm. is talking to Holden, who it always confused me when I was younger because I was like, this guy looks like Harrison Ford and sounds like Harrison mm-hmm. Ford, kind of. It's, it's really odd. And you're like, I guess he's a Blade Runner, too. And then there's this whole thing about, is Deckard a replicant? Do you want to do you want to do you want to squash no, no, that no, no. right now once and for all? Not not like what your just your take on it, because I, for one, feel like you shouldn't give a shit. That's not the point. Ridley He's Scott, not. Ridley Scott says he is. Yeah, Ridley Scott says he is. He's not, but I I don't think that's the point of well, the makes, movie. It also makes no sense. Yeah, especially when 2049 comes out because it's like two replicants. Come on. Come on. Come on. But yeah, and they don't even talk about that either. 
Mm. So, I mean, they, they just, don't, they just uh, sidestep that silliness. because yeah. Anyway, we're going to talk about ambiguity and lack of thereof later. Later. So uh, the scene of what's a tortoise? The, 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 the what? <laughs> it's like our podcast. It's, it's our podcast uh, in a nutshell, that back and forth. <laughs> you mean like interrupting? What? Huh? What? What's a tortoise? My mom had a horse. Do you want me to tell you about my mother? I just got off night shift. Do you want me to tell you about my mother, Jerry? I'd prefer not. Okay. So anyway, that scene's so goddamn funny. And it gets blown away. And I always thought that looked kind of weirdly fake when I watched it when I was a kid. I'm like, oh, what's that big choom sound? And he goes spinning up through a wall. You're like, whoa, that's pretty hardcore. Oh, I think. So yeah, Uh, Blade Runner. How do I feel about this movie? Tell me. Mm. Yeah, wait, before you say that, we can just say, <laughs> first of all, this is the episode where we jump the shark and we will gain many, many haters, I believe, because of this episode. Maybe not because of Blade Runner itself, but all the things that follow. So what do you think about Blade Runner, Jared? What's your hot take on this so, movie? I've always been like, I like this movie. I think it's pretty interesting. Good. Good. It's, it's always fascinated me. It feels like a dream watching it, cool. but I, I felt like I kind of uh, went around a corner this week after watching okay. the Dangerous Days making of Blade Runner uh, documentary, mm. which I think greatly increases my appreciation and enjoyment of I Blade agree. Runner a great deal. Because if anything, this movie is just like uh, such a technical marvel of <laughs> cinema. It is everything I want in movies practical effects, atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, again, the story isn't the clearest. It barely has a story. Scenes just kind of like happen. There's like not a lot of chemistry in the, like the, the main romance of it, I guess you would say, between uh, Deckard and Rachel. Like mm-hmm. according to the documentary, it's like, oh, Harrison and Sean, they, uh, they didn't really like click. She was a little young and bashful. And there's these shots of like footage of them doing these scenes that they're supposed to be like getting it on and getting sensual and she just starts giggling going, I'm sorry I can't and Harrison Ford's head just turns and he's just like classic Harrison Ford angry <laughs> angry angry thinking angry I, and I should, slow I should go back to being a carpenter is, mm-hmm. is the look on his face um, so amongst other things this documentary uh, actually made something click with me about Harrison Ford as a performer because mm-hmm. uh, Sean Young is talking about how technical Harrison Ford is. Like he'd be there and saying, turn your head this way and that way. This is where the lights <laughs> hits you. Like, and he's like, no, he, it's like, yeah, he's just looking at like, this is how scenes work. This is how you lay out mm-hmm. a shot. This is how the light's going to capture your face. And he, he lays it out in this way. You're like, that makes so much sense. Why I've always found Harrison Ford like so machine-like in the way he mm-hmm. acts. And when he's at his worst, he is amongst one of the worst actors of all time. When he's, Give me an example. Um, well, the classic go-to in the Red Letter Media verse is uh, his reading of the line "part-time" from uh, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull movie. Where part-time. like part-time, part-time. Uh, I always go to that, and that voiceover narration on the uh, theatrical cut from '82. Mm-hmm. It's it's just Harrison Ford phoning it in, trying mm-hmm. to be a noir character, and well. Yeah, that that's what this movie is. Like, it is a it's a neo noir, but it also gave birth to uh, the future noir that 
everyone started making Blade Runner knockoffs. They they didn't have yeah. the money, they didn't have the like the resources, they didn't have the stars. They all started making little Blade Runner movies that just are like they look like it. They're kind of cool to watch, but they're they're all missing that essential like ingredient of Ridley Scott's confidence in making this movie. That's like, hey, I'm going to make a heavy metal live action movie. It is going mm-hmm. to look like a Mobius movie, like in reality, like so just like a comic. I'm going to make it look exactly like that. I'm going to get the best people in the business. I'm, get, I'm getting a uh, Doug Trumbull. I'm getting Sid Mead. We're, we're all coming together and we're making like the the greatest science fiction movie ever made yeah. on, on a pure visual technical level. And that's what this movie is mm-hmm. with, with, without any argument. It's amazing watching those sure. effects and watching this documentary lay out um, how they did this stuff. And they go, like, this documentary is three and a half hours long and I think should be essential viewing for people who have opinions about Blade Runner. Cause I think this will explain better than this podcast why Blade Runner is mm, everything what, that it is, everything that it is, and why, as we'll discuss later, Blade Runner 2049 is not what people not. think it is. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. Dangerous Days. Uh, if you had asked me outside of the podcast to watch a three and a half hour documentary on Blade Runner, I would have told you to go fuck yourself. Uh, and I would have never I would have never watched it. But I'm actually really glad I did. That mm-hmm. documentary is a fucking awesome, man. Yeah, it's got like it's got it's very meticulously crafted where it's like this is this part. This is the pre-production. Here's the production. Here's here's this. Here's and, that. And total honesty. Yeah, of, like, and yeah, from completely. everybody. No one has anything to gain. Like they have yep. like the producers of the movie who like for all intents and purposes are kind of the villains of the story and oh, they're there. Sure. And, and they're, they're there. Their, and they're giving their story and their explanations of why they were doing it. And the fact that this movie didn't really make money, it wasn't a success. Um, mm-hmm. it was kind of like, oh, the movie came out and well, it came out in 1982, the same year as E.T., the big go-to mm-hmm. for the thing. It always is like, well, E.T., no one wanted a dark future and the movie people, audiences weren't ready. That's like, kind of like whatever, but it's like, no, there's like, and the, there's like honest reactions from people saying, yeah, Blade Runner, like I was in the movie and I, I felt like it felt cold. It didn't have the emotion mm-hmm. of working on the movie. It's like a really strange movie. Like it, it. I like the one where it was like, we had a running list of all the people who quit during the movie. It was like, it was just a list of people who just quit. They're like, fuck this movie. But I, I, I do like what you say where it's like the producers are the villains and they're just here and they're like, they're like, fuck. They're like, what was I supposed to do? They're like, they're like, think about it. Ridley Scott on the day one, he was 10 days behind schedule. Is well, like, come on, well, what, you, what like, would you do? Or like the shot of like the uh, the bowl with the fish head being dropped on the counter. Oh, we yeah. got we got to do about fourteen takes of that. And you're like, well, what was wrong with that one? What's the difference? And it's like kind mm-hmm. of the the hilarity of that mm-hmm. of like this director who's like over in over his head and he's just like bought into his own hype. He's like, God damn it, I directed Alien, <laughs> and uh, now I'm going to direct this, and I'm going to show you all. Yeah, there's that, and then I also kind of liked how like. Uh, they they're all they all kind of gang up on uh was it like Bud York yep. or or whatever and they're like yeah that guy was a real fucking asshole and uh, they cut to him and he's like yeah I had issues with what was going on <laughs> he's like he's like what do you he's like what do you, what do you think I'm gonna invest like a million dollars and not like be a part of it he's like I wanted a good fucking movie 
Uh, He's like, what he was making was shit. Who who also is a defender and says, oh, everyone I've shown it to likes the voiceover narration. Like like his good close personal friend, Gilmero well, del Toro. He he, uh, he makes like he he draws awareness to that too. He's like, I don't know, maybe they say that because I'm their friend and they know me and I like it better. So he he does like he's self aware. He's a yeah. self aware wolf. Yeah, and then Guillermo del Toro. I put on the uh, Criterion laser disc uh, every day. Why are you doing a Denny Villeneuve voice? Oh, Denny Villeneuve? Because I don't know how to do accents, so I'm going to do French Canadian in- instead, instead of, of Mexican. Uh, Mexican. Spanish. I am uh, Guillermo del Toro. Hey. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Hey. So, what were you talking about? Were you talking about Blade Runner? Or yeah, Dangerous yeah. Days we're, we're, we're talking about okay, we're talking about Dangerous Days being. Okay. I think uh, absolutely. If you haven't watched it, watch it. It's fantastic, yeah, it's and it's like a great. Like you should watch Blade Runner, followed by this making of, because I think it is probably one of the best making of documentaries I've ever seen. That it's, I think like good. adds so much to the film. Yep. Uh, itself. So Very. yeah. Um, Let's talk about. Let's just be fast and loose with this movie, RJ. Hit uh, it. Let's just feel it out. So this movie opens up beautiful Vangelis music playing over this utterly terrifying shithole that you watch this documentary finds out it's like oh you know it's just a bunch of like embossed metal steel we we put a little bit of lights in between put a little bit of visual flair to it and it's like holy fuck like I've no, like before that I had no idea how they did that scene and it's like one of the most stunning visuals still in any movie I've ever watched. It's terrifying and beautiful all simultaneously. And then we get this eye, the big close-up of an eye looking onto it. And none of it's like, whose eye is it? It doesn't really matter. Is it, matter. Hol- is it Holden's eye? Is it our eye? It doesn't matter. It's just an eye taking in the whole world. And it's just such a, like, for, like, his movie being distributed by Warner Brothers, it, it's like, who, it doesn't go back to it. It never answers it. It's like, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Because by then you're, like, into this world. A guy's being interviewed with a weird machine that's just, like, being asked a bunch of questions about animals and how he feels about it. And then he blows a man away. What does he do though to that guy? He messes him up. And apparently in a deleted scene, he's okay. And he's like, Oh, but that guy lives in a deleted scene. Yeah. Yeah. He's like in a, like iron lung kind of device. And Deckard visits him and he's like, Oh, I'm just catching up on my reading. <laughs> and they cut that out wisely. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. Uh, Sorry, were you saying something? No, not really. Are you just running down the movie? A little bit. You can talk well, about it. I think it. the next the next thing's about noodles. Noodles. Yep. We get a overpopulated, lived-in, wet, dreary world with just the masses of people. And contrary so, to the book, which is about I was a depopulated, say, light, like populous, populous, underpopulated. underpopulated world. And this yeah. one, it's like shoulder to shoulder, like grime. Well, that's like the point i think in the book where it's like there's all these incentives to go to the new colonies and that's where the the rep like the android problem actually happened it's like oh that happened where real people are and then they flee to the deserted earth because no one would want to be there and they're like well no one will book for us here who gives a shit who gives a shit Jarrett? yeah it's the point so yeah they get into some noodles you yep. Jarrett style we got my boy M. Emmett Walsh after uh, Harrison mm-hmm. Ford's delivered, uh, who's still wolfing down his noodle bowl. Hell yeah. Um, one of the things I noticed too was like M. Emmett Walsh in his office, which I guess 
another detail from the documentary is his office is in the Union Station, which is mm-hmm. a construct that they actually still in the Union Station to this day, which is kind of like, here you go. Let us use our space and you can use this continuously. Mm-hmm. Fun. So Ed cool. Walsh, he's got an oscillating fan in his office. And you're like, in the future, you'd think that they'd have like a central vac system that would uh, take out that air, take all that smoke that uh, really Scott's uh, piping in every which way. But no, hey, this movie is noir. Venetian, Venetian blinds the- abound. Because it Maybe looks that's just awesome. the best way to go. It looks awesome. That's the reason. Well, you why like Venetian blinds? Well, in movies, they sure look pretty, uh, pretty spanking cool. Because of the way the light shines through. That's right. That's all that Ridley Scott cares about: is light, smoke, and wetness. What kind of blinds you got in your house? I've got some uh, Venetians. Like drapes. I got some. I got a little bit of everything. Like I mean, I got Venetians, and this is 2019. We get uh, an origami chicken. Because Deckard's because? chicken. Is he? He is. What's he uh, running away from? Uh, responsibility. I don't know. Okay. But we get uh, one of the horriest cliches that maybe comes from this movie is enhance. 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 Are you thinking of Super Troopers when you say that? Oh, of everything. Of like enhance. all of... Uh, all, all your favorite TV shows and movies that just so, hey, I got some grainy footage. Enhance that and make it look better. Like in this mm-hmm. movie. It's like, well, Blade Runner did it. <laughs> yeah, but Jared, in Dangerous Days, they explained that when this movie was released on home video, it caught on because people were able to stop, fast forward, and enhance the image. Unlike anything other has been done before. Which is actually probably true. I, I, it sounds like I'm making fun of that, but uh, that documentary is wicked, so whatever. Yeah. You know what has not aged well in terms of capturing the year 2019, the very year that we reside in currently? What's that, Jared? Uh, people like having photographs. <laughs> like, no, no one has those anymore. Oh, photographs? Yeah, printed photographs. I got pictures. Do you? I have a picture I got from a place once. Wow. Is that a good story? You know what? People still drink Coke. That's true. What about uh, Atari? Is Atari still around? Uh, in people's hearts. Well, that's the only like faded one. Because what was it? Uh, Coke and is it Sony or is it something else? Oh, yeah. I think it's Sony. But yeah, it's definitely a, a, definitely Atari. I don't know about Sony. It's someone like Sony. Yeah, it's someone like that. But yeah, the um, co- yeah, people still drink Coke, Coca-Cola, Jesus. Jared. What are you doing over there? Oh, can you hear that? Yes, I can. Joey, I'll mute you while I move my mic thing. Oh my god. Um, we have 25-year-old uh EB e. Farnham. Um Who? <laughs> uh, Oh god. Uh, Who is EB Farnham? Uh the man from Deadwood and is in this movie as well as uh was it FB Sebastian? Another uh, two-letter last name man. SF Sebastian J- or JF? You chud. Uh, oh, was it JF? See, it doesn't matter. Yeah, nobody cares. JF Sebastian. So, so he, that man plays a twenty-five-year-old who's got Methuselah disease or something like that. Methuselah disease. Yeah, yeah he's aging wow. rapidly, and I was like, because I was like, shit. He, why does he talk like a little kid? And he's all, mm-hmm. he's all, you know, looking like that. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's uh, William Sanderson. He was in your movie, uh, Man's Best Friend, and The Onion Field. So many movies. So many movies. 
You never even heard of them all. What are we talking about? Uh, we're going to talk about thieving midget gangs. Is, is that not the best gang? Like, what would you prefer, dude? <laughs> I don't know. I just, it's like one of those things that, you know, we we're talking about things I don't remember from Blade Runner. And then I'm watching it this time for like the 20th time. And I'm like, that's a thieving midget gang. What about uh, the men who are just the toys of JF Sand? Oh, uh, Jesus. That long-nosed uh, soldier. And uh, there's a unicorn in there. Yeah, I don't really. Does he? I don't really know what. Fuck them. Um, Jarrett, can we end this now? No, never. Oh, fuck so slow, dude. So slow. So this movie's all at night. Yeah. It's all wet. Accurate. Neon. I think that you do get to sure. see, the, you get to see the sun at one point, but it's from an interior and it's not even a real sun because in the documentary it explains how it's like, no, it was all an optical effect to get achieve mm-hmm. all this. And it looks incredible. Mm-hmm. But it's like, yeah, it's all, and it's set at dusk or something like that. And again, looks incredible. Uh, this world is like one of just darkness, wetness, neon. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. A, a visual feast, RJ. A, feast, a what? A feast. Like, I don't know like, what you like, think a like feast noodles. is, but. Well, I mean, noodles are pretty good. I don't know why people compare movies to food. I don't like the most delicious cinematography. You're like, what do you mean delicious? <laughs> What do you mean? Savory. What do you mean by that, dude? So tell me more about how you think that it's a delicious looking movie. RJ, what did you think of Blade Runner? You want to hear something funny? What? So when we were watching it this week, I was like, Andy, I go watch my Criterion. And she she asks me every week. She's like, what's your Criterion this week? Would I be interested in it? And I'm the usual responses. Probably not. It's a 1950s French movie with subtitles. And she's like, yeah, I don't give a shit about that. I'm like, I didn't think you would because I don't either. Uh, So this week I was like, well, we're going to watch Blade Runner, baby. I was like, that's a pretty good show. And she's like, that sounds familiar. I was like, well, you've probably seen it sometime in your history of being alive. You've probably seen Blade Runner. She's like, well, we'll see. So we put it on. She's like, some of this is familiar, but I don't remember a lot of this. I was like, okay. And then we finished the movie, Jared, and she looked at me and she said, hey, that movie sucked. I was like, all right, nice. She explained to me why she didn't like it. And uh, I could explain that here, but then we'd get hate mail in the the email bake about why she's wrong. So I'll just take over that. I think Blade Runner is good. I like Blade Runner quite a bit. And I am kind of in the same opinion of you as you where uh, watching that documentary, Dangerous Days, it does, it definitely gives me a better appreciation for the movie. It's like, man, it's a lot of shit that they went through for this thing. And it's like a lot went into it. That's really cool. And I'm a steadfast and always on the point of, if you need to know the context of a movie that doesn't make it good, this is my one hypocritical stance where it's like, well, the documentary does make the movie more entertaining and you get more out of it. Long way of saying, I think Blade Runner is good. I like Blade Runner. I think it's got some nice visuals. I like the story. I like the source material, Jared. And uh, I like Ridley Scott. I think he really shines in this fucking thing. 
there are certain things that I think he does really well, like his use of background, where it's not even just like uh, images or like things in the background. Because in the documentary, they talk about all like the like Japanese uh, writing and things like that, where it's like this meant origin. That's why it pops up so much. Like, I don't mean that stuff. I mean, like literal scene, like literal shots of stuff that's going on in the background, I think are impressive in this movie because it's it seems off like authentic to a point, but it's just like, I like that. Like there's things going on to the background that I like. Well, he goes to such depth. Like they, they explain how they were using for some of the movie, like Warner sets, like just Mm -hmm. general, like backstage sets that were just laying around. And they're like, these will look like shit unless we disguise the hell out of the fact that we're using them. So we're going to shoot at night, which means that we have Mm -hmm. to wet everything down. So we're just going to make it all wet. And then we're going to put a lot of smoke in there. And then we're going to hang a bunch of neon signs on everything. So we have like, so it's dark, but it's lit from the neon. Then we can put regular lights on. We're going to make it wet. So it just like glows. We're going to use matte paintings to like accentuate the space and extend it into impossible places. And we're going to design every element of the movie top down like the vehicles look real and they're being made Mm -hmm. by people who really know how to fabricate and make things look authentic the clothing Mm -hmm. everything is just like designed and made and it's all there and it all fits and doesn't bring attention to itself Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's all there man and and like that's the thing like everything looks great the world is awesome it's real dirty and grimy and it's like yeah it looks like our world well, where we live now, Jared, the world sucks. So it could only get worse, I think is the point. And it will get worse. So that's nice. So you have that stuff. That's pretty cool. Uh, the use of colors is great. The use of smoke and neon is great. The use of those uh, matted paintings is awesome. Did you explain the process of how like uh, those that those matte paintings work like how the guy doing it had to like oh yeah he has to paint in all these like really hideous colors because he knows that once you actually expose it to the proper stock it'll Mm -hmm. just look amazing and it sure does yeah yeah the explanation of the matte paintings is like super cool and then the uh especially like the post-production part of that documentary where they're talking about like all the miniatures and things like that where they everyone's really surprised about what we did here because they're they're all like a foot they're like a foot by a foot and everyone thought they'd be bigger it's like but we couldn't do that because of the scope of the lens or whatever it's like it had to be this this very specific size you're like man that's cool my one nitpick on that documentary is that there's not any mention of the costumes Mm, and, and that's, that's true. And, and that's actually a big thing nowadays, especially yep. uh, post Game of Thrones, where it's like, because you look at those costumes and they're incredible. But uh, in Blade Runner, for whatever reason, hey, who designed the trench coat? Who designed uh, Roy's like leather outfit? Like everyone has like a coated mm-hmm. outfit and uh, they don't talk about that at all. Who designed those umbrellas that have the, uh, the fluorescent, fluorescent light bulbs? Fluorescent yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So like that, that's super cool. Uh, I've, I've only ever seen the director's cut. Yeah. Which I think is a blessing. And I well, guess. You, and you've seen the final cut, which is essentially the same. But oh, you, no. But yeah. You, okay. You've not so, seen, you haven't seen the voiceover before. No. I've Where, seen uh, the director's cut and then, yeah, the final with cut. With a happy ending with them leaving the city and they're driving through That's, literally yeah. footage of The Shining. Literally footage of The Shining, the outtakes. That, where, yeah, B, B, B which, roll that Stanley Kubrick said, yeah, sure. Here you go, buddy. Yeah. I I, th- I thought that part was really funny. They're like, hey, Stan, can we use this? And he's like, 
I don't really give a shit. He's like, as long as it's not in the movie. Yeah. He's like, do whatever you fucking and, and, feel and you like. And get Harrison Ford driving around with a pullover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I couldn't. I don't know if I couldn't watch that. Daylight. But oh, it's there, it's it's so, it's painful. There's just people like, especially near the back end, like the last twenty minutes of the documentary, where they're like, uh, there's th- those dudes that are like, I could watch either one. They both have a good place for me, depending on how I feel that day. And you're like, what? If you grew up with it, I could see it. Uh, but I think in the world that we live in, it's kind of no, don't. Ever. Yeah. No one does. No one was going to watch that version yeah. unless they're masoch- a masochist like me. And because mm-hmm. I, I mean, you know what? We're doing this thing. Might I, well. I might as well do it now because I'm never going to do it ever again. And yeah. holy shit, it like, it's awful. It yep. completely ruins the movie. Sounds awful. But uh, and then watching this documentary, we're just pimping this thing out uh, completely. Well, we're talking more ele- about that it, than it, it, Blade it, Runner, but it just elevates the movie. It does. Yeah. It really does. Like <laughs> Dangerous Days is way better. It's way better than Blade Runner. It's so it's so much more interesting yeah. to like because you see the entire movie through the in, through the extent of the documentary, and then it's like you'll see a scene and you'd be like, and then it'll cut to like Harrison Ford and he's like. Yeah, this was a real fucking piece of shit to film. He's like, I don't like anything in this movie. They wanted me to like rape this chick, so I did. Well, see, really and, that's, and, that, and that's the thing where, uh, yeah. So the rape scene, I guess that was edited down into that because apparently initially it was more sensual and uh, con- con- and consensual, and then they cut around that and turned into like, what the fuck is going on here? Slapping the door shut and being slamming like, her around and saying, say my name. <laughs> he says something too, which is like ridiculous where he's just like, she's like, I want to leave. He's like, tell me that you don't want to leave. And you're like, okay. But does that like, but is that more of like an honest depiction of like the film noir trope of a man who like immediately sure. seduces a woman. And you're like, no, this is what it would look like. It would be ugly and uncomfortable. Like Humphrey Bogart, just Probably. like suddenly like cornering a woman and like, yeah, let your hair down. Let me show you a good time. It's kind of like more like, sure. <laughs> let me see him sugar tits. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it's a, this is a, a commentary on the noir RJ in a way mm. that, people don't talk about these days because again like there's like so much uh surface level superficial stuff you can talk about as far just like visually and which is like yeah it's all there it looks incredible no movie looks yep. like this even when it tries really hard even when they try really hard so like there there are those parts of this movie like we, we don't even need we don't even really need to talk about it because it looks great Everything about it is good. That final cut is awesome. That real slow build to all these stories. It's wicked. Everything that's there more or less needs to be there, like the Jason Voorhees dancers. Yep. Which I made a note of too. I know you posted that on the Instagram, but I I, I wrote that same thing down. My biggest takeaway watching Blade Runner in 2019, Jarrett, was that Rutger Hauer is so much better than Harrison Ford it's fucking unbelievable Rutger Hauer is like a good actor he's very good and I like how blunt he is in the interviews where he's like he's like you know a lot of people had a problem with the the way this movie was filmed like people on the crew and he was like so what he's like yeah your job is fucking hard he's like get over it don't be a piece of shit he's like everyone's got hard jobs just do it do it and I was like, man, you're really telling it like it is, Rutger. But like, he has so many soft, subtle 
uh, facial gestures in this thing where he kind of like where he's like really playful, where it'll be like a, a soft smile or his eyes just move from like one part of the screen to the other. And it, like just watching him this time, I was like, man, he's fucking good in this. And then you watch Harrison Ford. And like, so I know you've been saying for years that Harrison Ford is just this like really slow, lazy old man. And then this thing, I was like, okay, I like Harrison Ford. I do. I think he's really good. I like Indiana Jones a lot. And then you watch it in this. And the, the thing that bugs me about Harrison Ford is his sloppy stunt hits where every single fucking time he gets like hit by something or he's supposed to like act like he's hurt. He does this thing where he like he blinks a lot and he holds his breath where he's like (gasps) and he's like he's like holding his breath and he has puffed cheeks and he's just blinking a lot. And I noticed it so much watching this this time. I was like, what is he doing? Why does he do that? And then all I could think of, I was like, he does that in every movie. That's just how he like acts being hurt is he's blinking and he holds his breath. It's very weird, man. It's very weird. Have you noticed that? Uh, I, I can visualize you what now. you're talking about. I can see what you're talking about. <laughs> Next time you watch a Harrison Ford movie, you'll, you'll notice. It's, it's just as, yeah, when he's frozen in carbonite. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I don't know. It's weird. It's so, weird. It's weird. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, Rucker Hauer as Roy, he's probably the oh, most. He, the idea, I think, though, though, he's the most human, and that's the Holy, that's the yeah. de- and that RJ is the delicious irony. That is the delicious irony, where it's like he, he well, and like that's why the movie is good. Where at the end, where he kind of like when he saves Harrison Ford, he's like, you know what? I have I'm a choice. Okay. I have a choice. I want to see. He's like, you. I do have a choice. In Blade, oh, Mr. Blade Runner, you're just going around killing robots because oh, I got to do it. It's my job. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't fully endorse the way that Rutger Hauer was just holding that dove for hours on end. Yeah. It seems. Yeah, I was like, because in the that- documentary, they're like, well, he tried to let it go when he died, but it just uh, it was so wet that it couldn't fly. It just flopped over. I was like, he just walked away. I was like, maybe. Not that it was wet. Maybe the dove couldn't fucking fly because it was in a man's grip for like three hours. Like, did no one think about that? I'm sure that there just... was moments in between at that point because they kept having to shoot it. And then they had like the whole thing. But like, oh, we had to like we ran out of time in the sky. The sun yeah, came out. It was out, the night of. And, and then we had to like cut the goddamn scenery up and move it to another location so we could finish filming. It's just mm-hmm. like stories like that. You're like, yeah, that's what movie making's all about. Problem solving. Movie magic, man. Movie what are we going to do with the Bradbury? Let's lay cork down everywhere. Yeah. So, anyways, Blade Runner is spectacular for all the reasons that everyone already knows. But uh, Dangerous Days is the uh, the real winner of this episode. It, it will uh, add so much appreciation to the movie. Plus, you get a lot of insight into other things too. Like, there's the uh, they talk about the the, the scrapped opening scene, which I feel like is used in 2049. Pretty much. Speaking of which, RJ, mm-hmm. you, you, you know what Dangerous Days doesn't do any favors to? Blade Runner 2049 by Denis Villeneuve, the Canadian wonder. Con- oh. Correct. So we also watched Blade Runner 2049 on this sure uh, occasion. And all of its supplementary the, oh, material. Yeah. So the tagline for this film, there's still a page left. 
Is there no Jarrett? 30 30 years after the events of the first film, a new Blade Runner, LAPD Officer K, unearths a long-buried secret that has the potential to plunge what's left of society into chaos. Kay's discovery leads him on a quest to find Rick Deckard, a former LAPD Blade Runner who has been missing for 30 years. Again with the Rick, hey? Yeah. Dick. That's it's weird. Like I, they, no one calls him Rick. Just call him Deckard. Hello, Rick. Right? Deckard. Deckard. Okay. So, uh, so wow. Uh, okay. Forty. So I watched that 4K. Sure, you did. UHD disc. Damn right, you did. This, this is my first watch of this movie since seeing it in theater, where I was mostly unimpressed. I thought it was fine. Um. Which apparently upset some people. But anyway, I was watching the special features of this, <laughs> these short films. Mm-hmm. I watched Blackout, this uh, anime-style short by the director of Cowboy Bebop and stuff. So can I can I interrupt you and, and just talk about all of these short films in one breath? Blackout is completely pointless. It is an anime that has no meaning. Nexus Dawn is a deleted scene. That has, again, no meaning. And Nowhere to Run is the only thing worthwhile. It's got Dave Batista, and it's a minute long. So I just want to... Which is another deleted Well, What I want to say, though, is these little uh, shorts, they're all introduced by Denny Villeneuve, and he talks about how he wanted wanted the right people to make these. You know, he Mm -hmm. wanted talented, good, quality filmmakers to make these. So he got the Cowboy Bebop guy, sure. Mm -hmm. He's probably a fan like we all are. For 2036 Nexus Dawn and 2048 Nowhere to Run, he got talented filmmaker Luke Scott to direct these. He was the right man for the job, was he not? Well, we all know Luke Scott has really like left his mark on the world. And it has in no way, shape, or form anything to do with the fact that his father is Ridley Scott. Well, he made all those uh, alien prologues as well. Yeah, that's his... Because he was the right man for the that, job. That, that's his lot in life. Getting my, getting my, getting, he's getting his son work, I guess. So I'll, I'll let you talk about all these, but I thought they were all completely pointless and except, have no... except for Big Dave. That one actually felt like Blade yeah, Runner. But, yeah, it did, but it's like I said, it's just a deleted. Otherwise, scene, like... they, they're all short. Like they all feel like TV-ish short film. Like it's exactly what they are, but they like yep. they feel like oh, this is like a really good Blade Runner fan film. With Jared yeah. Leto. <laughs> or, or... So I was really confused when I watched this Nexus Dawn because I was like, I've seen this before. I was like, isn't this in the fucking movie? And then and then I watched the movie again. I was like, it's not in the movie. And I was like, when did I watch this fucking six minute like it's probably deleted scene? Did, did you maybe watch it because it was put online earlier on? No, no. Like, I swear, I thought this was I just thought this was part of the movie. And I was really confused but then once it was over, I was like, I don't really give a shit. I'm not going to look into it very much anymore. But the, the novel thing with watching the the anime short uh, was mm-hmm. reminding me just like how much of an impact Blade Runner had on anime. And mm-hmm. like just the way that Tokyo is presented and just like the prevalence of future noir yeah. and lighting from like many directors. And it's like, yeah, oh yeah that, sure. makes, that makes total sense. Like I'm sure this was like a dream project for somebody, but it's total fluff. It's like, Oh, what, what's that blackout that's mentioned in 2049 all about this tells you what yeah. it is. And 
why did they start letting robots be be, be made again? Why are the replicants again? And it's like, oh, because mm-hmm. he was threatening in a, in a like Lynchian office space that where yep. everything where the cameras With always Benedict too, Wong. Where, where the cameras too high up, and then in order to run actually is like, oh, it's a nice little short story about poor Dave Batista. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have any Batista bombs or or uh, spine busters. Sadly, it's too bad. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, you're accurate. So, Tell me about Blade Runner 2049, Jared. Boy, oh boy. So I went into this enthusiastically. I was like, you know, everybody loves this movie. Like, mm-hmm. And I'm talking like pretty well 90% of everyone that I follow who's watched this, like really yeah. like it, to love it, think it's like better than the original. Um, you watch it. I, I don't know. They, these people have rewatched it, but mm-hmm. maybe they haven't... Uh, Watch Dangerous Days for a while, oh. or F- F- probably never, because I mean, probably never. I mean, honestly, like you don't watch special features at all. You just happened to ask me if there was a Blade Runner documentary, and I went, yeah, mm-hmm. yes, there is. There's one. Well, there's like five. It seems like, but yeah. Dangerous Days is the best. It doesn't like, yeah. yeah. So, after watching this showcase of like technical ambition of like mm-hmm. how to make a movie from scratch, and stuff about how it's shot at night, like all these details, these things you're like, man, this movie is like a real like fluke that this thing got made. And Mm -hmm. yeah, sure. It's like, there's things about it that don't feel like a regular movie and they're kind of like, don't feel like anything else. And maybe that's a problem because it lacks, uh, closure. It is like extremely ambiguous. Blade Runner 2049 takes all that away. (laughs) And And then what do they do, Jared? Lots of, Empty Roger Deacon shot spaces. Mm-hmm. They went to Hungary and shot a bunch of stuff there. And then mm-hmm. they got Sid Mead to come in and design Las Vegas. And that's like definitely the most Blade Runnery thing that didn't exist before. Yeah. Like the actual like architectural stuff on the outside. And let's, hey, let's sexy this up. Let's get that Ryan Gosling. People love him. <gasps> He's got that. He is pretty sexy, throw though. Throw that brown trench coat on him. Everyone loves it, and and people mm-hmm. will be like, "What's this? What's this sort of a really sweet trailer that showcases the color palette of our film?" Everyone's mm-hmm. going to be like, "Ooh, baby, what is this?" They nailed it. They're fun. They're doing it right because sometimes <laughs> they when they do sequels, they miss it. They 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 throw out all the obvious they things. They miss it. They just they are. Like, let's go for a new our new look. Let's not just do what mm-hmm. they did before. Let's like let's replicate that stuff that people do the callbacks it's just like yeah. the uh the contemporary star wars movies the uh the new cycle where they're very much people dislike the prequel so much now they're like doubling down like making sure this looks like 1977 but 2019 like that kind of like level of attention of where like tie fighters look like tie fighters everything looks the way you always wanted it to it's let's dust off harrison ford you know he's not doing anything but everyone everyone misses him and let's let's do it up. Let's find out what happened thirty years later. A, a question that I didn't give a shit about. I, I never I never cared about what happened Which, next. I'll just say, I think it really cheapens the uh, the original story. Where I sent you a quote from the back of the Blu-ray of twenty forty nine, where it yeah. says, "You don't even have to watch the original to appreciate this thing." <laughs> like paraphrasing. <laughs> Right. Uh, but I, I could, it's fucking on my shelf here. I could pull it off, but that's what it says. Basically. It's like, you don't even need to have seen the original to like this. And I was like, that's such a, 
such a planned like thing to put on this where it's just like, hey, you don't need the original Blade Runner. And you like, got 2049. And RJ, the stunningly elegant follow-up doesn't depend on having seen the original. Peter mm. de Bruges variety. Variety. So I I honestly you you're just talking about the story of this, but I actually do think it really cheapens the original because it I don't think I think the end of Blade Runner, like the final cut, the, is the, perfect. That, that fast slam of the elevator is yeah. awesome. It's perfect. It, like you don't you you shouldn't have anything after that and that's why it's good. So to put stuff on it, it's like because, well, that's <sighs> Yeah, I mean, there's like spin-off materials that have existed for a while. There's like, I'm not sure if it's like novels or what it is, but there's like the Adventures of Holden or like video mm. games. I'm not quite clear on what format these things existed, but I mean, there's always been like people wanted to fill in the gaps. I mean, entire like cyberpunk as a concept is Blade Runner. I'm mm. like, there's like the story, I think it's like William Gibson uh, watching Blade Runner and being like, oh, fuck off. Like, because he was working on Snow Crash. Or Neuromancer. Yeah, Neuromancer. He was working on Neuromancer, yeah. And so he watched this break as he's writing, and he went, oh, my God. (laughs) And then, like, Philip K. Dick, when he watched Blade Runner, he was like, how did you do this? That's exactly what I saw in my own brain. (laughs) And you're like, I mean, it's interesting that, like, how in touch and plugged in Blade Runner was in its era and how much it's influenced everything because it became the go-to cliche factory um there's this really great uh video game under the under a killing moon uh okay. the Tex Murphy games mm-hmm. it's it's just Blade Runner but it's like kind of like a parody of it um mm. and it's really cool like I love those games are like so much fun they're just goofy adventure games but um everything like science fiction was changed the way like this type of this weird pocket of like technology and the relationship of people with it. How do you depict that? Blade Runner is like an immediate uh, predecessor for that. And then you could go sure. back to like Alphaville, which again mm-hmm. also doesn't get mentioned whatsoever in um, any of the stuff people are talking about, even though people mention often these mm-hmm. weird connections to it. But it's like, well, cause he's got a fedora, <laughs> but I don't know. It's more than no, that. No, he, does, or he has no fedora. He's just got that trench coat. Yeah. I don't know. What else you got to say about 2049? What? Well, you want me to take I, over I, for a I, little? I, I liked it less the second time watching it. I, um, I agree. All, all, all the problems I had the first time didn't go away. They actually, I t- kind of forgotten some elements of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go back. I don't even know what episode I talked about my experience watching it was. It was like the weekend it came out. Yeah. Uh, the Yours lo- was the, yeah. The love Sorry. character. I think is just like the most, just the cliched, like her angry woman character that like, but she kills people. So she's empowered. You're like, nah, is she terrible? I I hate that character. The, the stupidity of like Jared Leto's character, very uh, overhyped. Cause I remember when that was coming out, I was like, oh man, what's going, what's he going to do? What's Jared and him talking about it? And he like, he does nothing. He's in two scenes. Mm -hmm. Well, and a prologue and and a prologue. Yeah. We have the, the the gold shimmering light of the Terrell building. The golden trans- eye 007 yep. and, and, uh, temple. And, and then it's transported to the <laughs> the new base of operations. And yeah. it, but, it, but it serves no purpose other than to symbolize this is just like what's in style 30 years later. But in like the exact same lighting, like the sound yeah. distortion because of the large empty spaces, it's all doubled down on. And like they're really 
I watched the making of Blade Runner 2049. Just, uh, just like, it's only like, it's, it's 22 minutes long. And I was curious. I wanted to give them a break. I wanted to see, hey, maybe I'll have a greater appreciation for it after watching it. That did not happen. Um, I mean, it seems like at times Roger Deakins made this movie. I'm pretty sure Roger Deakins did make this fucking it, it kind movie. Of like, t- he's like in those frames. He's like he was there all the time, which makes sense. He was the director of photography, right? But, well, then uh, he was probably like, uh, Roger, Roger oh, I, uh, this, I this believe is, uh, that. This is bordering on racism here. Roger, it, we're, I'm Canadian. Denny Villeneuve is Canadian. It, it, but is he a, a minority in our country, RJ? Ra- Roger, I believe you can what is the, now, the picture? Now, now you're doing something else all together. Well, you threw me off. And now it's like this Adam Sandler thing. I imagine Roger uh, Denny Villeneuve was like, "Hey, Roger, go do whatever the fuck you feel like," because this is just whatever. It was just Ryan Gosling in front of a green they, screen. They, right? they, they were no. That's the thing. Apparently, Den, Denny's not a big fan of the green screen. That's all shot on location, mm-hmm. and then they lit it up. There's all this emphasis. Yeah, well, that's on like, more impressive, but still. Because well, they shot that. No, he's like, I didn't want to shoot it in the front of the green screen. Like they only did it when it was necessary. Like when the the ballerina projection. I mean okay. that that ballerina was shot in front of a green screen that projected him. So a lot of it was like I'm sure there are obviously points where they had a composite. Like when they're walking around uh, Blade Runner Los Angeles with the gigantic mm-hmm. stuff in the background that they didn't always go shoot on location in that place that doesn't exist. But those like giant rooms, they were filming those like in these giant chambers. And the thing though with all those spaces that are so empty is that they're empty they're 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 void they're shot so far apart so it's like this like it just fills me like with um that's a nice image i guess but i guess i don't know okay you want me to talk about blade runner 2049 a little bit yeah go for it so when i watched this about a year ago i was like yeah it was good i liked it i liked it way more than i thought I, i would because i knew you didn't like it well i knew you were like warm on it Everyone else loved it, but then there was the general public who was like, "eh, whatever." So I was like, yeah, both, right. both both these movies, uh, both uh, financial underwhelmers. Mm-hmm. So like, I went into it, and uh, when I watched it a year ago, I was like, "Yeah, I really liked it." I watch it now, and I think I messaged you halfway through, and I was like, "Hey, this ain't a good movie. This is nowhere near like what I thought it was a year ago." And I think it's because when I watched it a year ago, I didn't rewatch Blade Runner before. I the the space between the last time I watched Blade Runner and then when I watched 2049 would have probably been generously or like not even not generously uh, conservatively like maybe six years. It, it had been a long time. Okay. So like. I hadn't watched it for a long time and then watched 24 and I was like, yeah, that's good. And then this week, watched Blade Runner, watched Dangerous Days and then watched 2049. And I was like, holy fuck. I was like, there's a lot of holes in this movie. Like, goddamn. So I was watching it and there was so like, there's so many things that I feel like people overlook and it you shouldn't because it's like, yeah, I like Roger Deakins too, man. I think he's the best. It's like, but that just because he's the fucking doing the cinematography doesn't mean it's a great movie. This movie has so much fucking exposition; it's ridiculous. Robin Wright's character oh, is just an exposition stupid, delivery stupid, vehicle. Stupid, stupid chief in her garbage office. There's a shot that I think mm-hmm. is so. There's a scene so badly 
put together. And it's mm-hmm. so the camera kind of is like on the outside of the office, looking in on a rainy window. And Robin Wright's talking, looking out the window, and you can hear her completely like you were in the room. And she's admonishing Ryan Gosling. And the wind, the rain is just pouring down hard because. Well, Ridley Scott really is into water and he uses it a lot in Blade Runner. So we're going to do sure. it in 2049 too. So it's always raining in Los Angeles because the environment's fucked. But we don't talk about that. We're not we're not making that type of statement about the movie. We're just like, this is the world they live in. The environment's screwed. But there's, there's the scene though, is like the camera's on the outside and you're looking out, you're on the outside looking in and you can hear her volume like completely clear. Like you were in the room. Like that's not how you would do that. That's, that's not the, the, yeah. this type of movie. Like you have to, ah, it drove me nuts. And I'm like, that's so, so sloppy. But I mean, you want to be able to hear the character, but like, well, why did you set up the scene that way? Did they have this idea in their mind, like of how they wanted to do that? But when they actually shot it and then they mixed it and went, oh, that doesn't make any sense. No one's going to notice that except for Jarrett's. So who gives mm-hmm. a fuck? Well, so you have that, and then it's really weird, like her office and the emptiness of his apartment and her, 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 uh, yeah, her office. I hate them. They're just empty, empty so, voids. And then, when, oh my God. So when you brought that up, the one thing that really sticks out with me is uh, you're talking about like the way that the audio comes through. One thing I really noticed on this one was. Audio in vehicles, it is like intentionally muffled or for or something, and uh, it's really off-putting watching it this time. Where when Ryan Reynolds, like in the opening, he's in his car and he's talking to Robin Wright, her voice comes off really weird, and it's like, oh, they're making it sound like it's in a car, and it's like, but it shouldn't sound like it's it's in a car because it's a movie, and you don't need to do that. And then, like, there's a scene yeah. later where it's, like, the replicant that works for Jared Leto, and, like, she's in a car, and she's talking, and it sounds like it again, and you're like, why are they doing this? Like, it's just distorted audio, and it, it it's very bizarre. It's like, why is that in here? And why is that in here? Well, and plus, like, it's clear that technology has evolved since 2019, yeah. but, like, but it's also bad. Yeah. I don't so know. So there's, like... There's that, that but and then, that, again, that, that's like a, that goes to the weird overthinking that's inconsistent. Cause then like the whole thing with them, mm-hmm. like being like sh- filmed from outside being inside a room, you'd have that distortion, but they don't do it. They just have it like regular. And I'm like, mm-hmm. it's just put me out of it. I'm like, Oh, that's kind of cruddy. Like why, how do they miss that? But I don't know. So there, there's that. And there's a lot of other things here. So like when I was talking about exposition, Almost every character in this movie exists to deliver exposition. You got like Avon Barksdale, Wood Harris. You got that. <laughs> oh, you got the other like mortician guy who they call Coco, whatever that that guy's name's like Dano Dalmatian or whatever. He, he, who, he, he died for nothing. <laughs> for for nothing. Other than like, like you get the cool like him like kind of collapsing into his own neck. That looked cool. But uh, that looks really cool. But, but then but you're like, like so, well, to what end? You're like oh. So love can just travel around and kill people and no one goes, Hmm, we're not like, cause I'd assume that like probably the technology There's allows, well, we, we can just turn off the cameras and then they just move like with impunity. You're like, Oh, you think that someone would be on that case tracking down this murderous robot? Cause we still live in a world with blade runners killing murderous robots. But in this mm-hmm. case, it's like, nah, we're not worried about that. Nah. And she can do whatever she wants. And so you're like, well, what, where's the tension other than when she shows up, Oh, she's going to wreck shit. And you're like, well, yeah, but 
that nothing so, matters then like that, it, yeah then there's, who, no there's no consequence there's no there's no ten, there's no tension she is the consequence other than oh what, what happens when those two meet up and then they do and then nothing happens and then like oh he's left for dead so he can just yeah. like be left behind in vegas with the dog and then the rebels will show up <laughs> well yeah and then, exactly. and then they'll fly away back to los angeles well and like their exposition too like every fucking character in this thing is exposition even like dave batista in like one of the one of the scenes i actually like in this movie in the opening where he's just like you do what you do because you've never seen a miracle and it's like okay you're like that's some fucking loaded language right there like is that what this movie is gonna be about i guess and i know that's nitpicky and like i really hated when i saw uh interstellar for the first time one person there were negative reviews about how uh Anne Hathaway's speech was about how love is stronger than feel, like the feeling is stronger than logic. And the guy was like, you got to show that not tell that's bad exposition. And I was like, how do you fucking show that and not tell it? So I'm sure, I'm sure someone's thinking the same thing about what I'm saying right now, but I feel like this movie has a ton of exposition, which isn't needed. Like Robin Wright, like this breaks the world. We can't have replicants having babies. What are you fucking out of your mind? And you're like, I got it. With her uh, permanent wet hair. Yeah, with her weird wet hair. You're like, okay, I got it. Everything's like so well lit. All the offices. Like I'm going back to my office rant. Like it's just like uh, it just doesn't feel convincing because you look at M.M. Walsh's like blue smoke filled room looking at slides and it's just mm-hmm. like yeah because like i mean they're going for that noir vibe and it's like well this, that's blade runner and then this movie's like it's so clean everything mm-hmm. there's so much space like everyone's like so much huge gaps between them and then there's the denny Villeneuve uh really uh chasing and pursuing his libido and like saying mm-hmm. hey look at these ladies am i right okay. so i have something to say about all that so joey <laughs> For Joy, yeah, it's so shoehorned in here where it's like, well, I mean, Ryan Gosling, even though he's a replicant, he is like connected to something on a different level. It's like, yeah, 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 sure, sure. But the way it's presented in this movie is very weird where it's like he fails his uh, – not his Bechtel test, but let's say his Bechtel test. He fails that. <laughs> He's, what is it, like the Moint Comp or whatever? Uh, yeah, Comp. comp Who gives yeah, a shit? Yeah. So he fails like the replicant test. They're like, you're not even close to baseline. And then Robin Wright's like, I can get you out of the building alive. But the next 24 hours, you're on your own. Why? And he's like, he's like why okay. Is she, why is she doing this? <laughs> like, well, yeah. yeah well, it's like, you, you killed the, because you just lied. Plus, he just lied. Yeah, I took care of lied. it. Because I'm, well, I'm the baby. Because <laughs> he, he thinks he is, but he's like, I took care of it. So she's like, all right, I'll get you out of the building. But next 24 hours, you're on your own. And he's like, okay. So he goes back home. And then Joy is like, hey, you ever seen that hit movie, Her, from uh, Spike Jones? And he's like, yeah, it's my favorite movie. He's like, I did the same thing for you tonight. I got a real life person I'm going to project myself onto. It's not audio. It's visual, baby. And you're like, all right. So they have this weird sex scene, but it's like, does he not fucking understand? Like the entire scene going into this was about the the severity of time where it's like, you got to get the fuck out of town, man. People are going to come to arrest you and kill you and all that shit. Well, and he's his, like, what, what is his exit plan? What, 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 he has what? no exit plan. No, wait, there's like, okay, I wasn't taking notes and maybe I should have, 
but there's like no real like like how does he jump to the like oh I gotta go to Vegas. Is there like a what is There's, that? Okay, I, no, maybe, so he uh, maybe goes I to blinked. the Somalian pirate from yeah, uh, oh, Captain Phillips. Th- that's that that shitty scene. Whatever his name, okay. he's like he's like Doctor Dan will get it yeah, for you. Yeah, because he's got the wood. Yeah, he's got the wood yeah. horse. He's like, hey man, I'll get you a real animal. But it's not his answer. His answer is, oh, that's old dirt. There's only one place that has old dirt. There's Vegas. Nice. That that's all it is. That's that entire scene. And so we can got, so we can set that up later because he's because all, like all, all the other animals are in the uh, old casino that Harrison Ford lives in. Maybe like well, Harrison Ford does live in an old casino and just gambles all day long. Like because like he is a senior citizen. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's like eighty two. That'd make more sense in this movie. By the way, he's got a dog. Dog violence. They blow that dog up and then they just leave it there. Dog violence, sure. But back to the sexuality thing. So, like, she sets up this scene, which is just her ripped off. And it's like, okay, well, I feel like there's more important things than this. But, okay, he's he's pleasing his woman. He's just making making a, or like making things right. You can take me with you. Mm-hmm. Then, then I get stepped on. It's like, like I really died, but who cares? <laughs> well, and, and it's like uh, even they make the point of it later where it's like, I'll be your friend where it's the other version. It's like, yeah, she meant nothing except that she did. So there's that. But the thing that I really had a problem with, Jared, not the, even the time-sensitive nature, nature of the hooker scene, but the fact that the hooker she gets out of, what, millions of possible hookers? is one of the three tasked to spy on Ryan Gosling. Mm-hmm. And she shows up. Oh. But later, is it not only revealed that she's a double agent, Jarrett? She's working both sides of the coin. Both sides? So, both sides. And it's just like, it's 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 such contrived bullshit that in a different movie, if this was not a Blade Runner sequel by Denny Villeneuve, I think people would be well, like, I mean, he, it, is, is, it is from shit. the mind that brought us arrival. Another uh, uh, heralded classic of cinema, except just, by me. It's just ridiculous. And then, so this is a thing like, it's not even a comment or it's not a comment on this movie as much as it, as it is like Blade Runner and then Androids of Electric Sheep in general, but specifically for this movie. So like, there's the point of David, uh, Jared Leto being like, yeah, replicants are safe now i'm gonna bring it back why the fuck do replicants not have a very visible distinct visual feature to tell them apart from other people like a unicorn horn make their yeah put a unicorn horn on their head make their hands fucking translucent make their head translucent like (laughs) it's because their whole thing is like they're not safe we can't trust them it's like all right you know how they're gonna be safe and we can tell them from the rest of them put a fucking tattoo on their face like Nazi Germany, like right on their head. Wow, RJ, T- tell us how you well, really feel. Well, uh, is that not logical? I don't know. I don't know. Him, well, Jarrett, <laughs> Jarrett. I'm just saying. Like, I know that. Like, that's a. It's like, well, yeah. Then, then there would be no story. It's like, yeah, I get that. Yeah. But in this sequel world, where it's like, okay, replicants are a problem. Well, they get like the little. Like, they, they get they get the thing under the eyeball. And uh, then you just pluck out your eyeball in defiance of not your, your, your mark. That's what they did. That's what they settled it. And they cleaned their hands of it. Not an, It's not enough. Make their like skin purple. Like that's all you would have to do. Make their skin purple or something. And then you'd be like, oh, that's a replicant. So it's not like people walking around being like, skin job. 
Oh yeah, that's still going on. And it's like you have a fellow like, cop going fucking skin job or skin Skinner. jobs, Skinner. skin jobs. Yeah, that stuff. It's like oh, we're still there, huh? It's like well, society's gotten worse. The making of tells us. And I'm like, it's, yeah, it seems about on par. You're like, has it? Well, though? yeah. How do you how do you think uh, Harrison Ford enjoyed though uh, sitting in the uh, sinking ship with his handcuffs on? Do you think it was warm water? Do you think he was probably just miserable while uh, Ryan Gosling shooting a scene where he's strangling love to death very dreamily? I imagine that Harrison Ford has has not wanted to be an actor for at least 40 years. The movie has like no payoff. Like it's such a fuck. No, it's it just it doesn't mean anything. He goes and saves Harrison Ford. Because. And that. Yeah. And that's it. So the bad guy can't grow baby robots well even the mercenaries it's like who gives it because they never saves them and never come up again because they never find it because it's like jared leto is still there he's still somewhere and uh bad robots punished because it's an evil woman robot of course and um he delivers uh harrison ford to dreamweaver which is uh the best part of the movie the idea of that and they don't follow up on any of it and uh yeah, and then he goes, puts his hand on the glass. Hi, I'm your dad. And then they end. And you're like, oh, there's like no, there's no <laughs> ambiguity. Direct, it's like, is it because the door, it's like the, it's a, is it a callback to him? Like, like almost like slamming, because no, he doesn't even slam the door behind him. It's just the elevator door slam on him. But then this one opens up with his hand extended and being like smiley. Uh, Hi, I'm your dad. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm going to be playing the role of your dad. I'm all, your, I'm all your dads. So good. Mm. Uh, anyways. Mm. Yeah. Blade, Blade Runner 2049. It's no Blade Runner. Very true. And Very true. Uh, hey, RJ, let's find yes. out who hates Blade Runner. <laughs> probably a good few people. Well, it has to have probably the most watches of anything that we've covered on this show. It's got like 250,000 uh, logs. Yeah, that's a, a few more than butt crack. A few more than butt crack. First up, let's take a look here. We got Joe Hadley. Ooh. Half a star from just like a week ago. There is a reason it took me this long to get through this movie. It's so dark, and the sounds just put me to sleep. <laughs> cool, Joe. It's a very cool thing of you to do. Joe's got a few five-star movies. It's like Avengers, Guardians, Thor. Yeah. You know what one of his five-star movies is, though, Jarrett? Hmm. Your favorite uh, film director, uh, Edgar Wright, Baby Driver. Yeah. He also just gave half a star to Strip to Kill, which I watched not too long ago, and it's not a good movie, but it's not a half a star. It's, it's, well, I mean, it's as good as Blade Runner. Uh, allegedly. Yeah. Apparently. Next up, S. Nomi, half a star, with a quote from the film, Wake up, time to die. Let cool. me start off by saying that Blade Runner cinematography, while it was beautiful and all the digital effects were eye-pleasing, the plot was pretty bland. I found myself lost in thought for most of the movie. <laughs> that's, a, okay. that's a bad thing. The theme of AIs taking over has been used in multiple films. What, what the fuck? But has been has it? AIs. <laughs> but has been twisted in ways that either slow them being good or emotionless metal objects. In my mind, I believe that the director's mm-hmm. way of depicting them is right. It is the humans who put emotions behind the soulless piece of metal, not the other way around. Um, well, how about those digital effects? <laughs> there aren't any. Correct. 
so I I think this person's confused. Uh, all their five star movies are Fast and the Furious movies. There you go. And then Raw and a girl walks home alone at night, which is a very bad movie, my friends. Very bad. Ariel Castanon Castillo, half a star. Oh. This movie was not the most interesting movie. The camera angles and the story plot were extremely boring personally. I wasn't expecting certain points of the story, but other than that, the camera angles were bad and did not interest me. Okay. Oh, that's weird to say. Okay, I, I've I've uncovered something strange okay. that I didn't mention before, but so all three of the last people you just met brought up, all three of them have the almost exact same recent activity. And I, by almost, I mean they've all had three out of the four same movies in their recent activity. Huh. Blade Runner, Ex Machina, Royal Tenenbaums. So Ariel Castanon Castillo, uh, Ex Machina, four stars. But Blade Runner, half a star. Tenenbaums, four and a half stars. The last person gave Tenenbaums three stars. And then all of these people, Jared have given Swiss army man five stars, <laughs> which is like weird. And then they've all given uh obvious child five stars. They're all friends. Yeah. All every one of these person, every one of these peoples. Okay. They're all friends, which is one, very weird. One more from this calendar year, okay. Ryan Avery, half a star. Okay. I literally can't watch it. It's just bad. There's nothing to it. It's bland and terrible. Like, I swear, the CIA could use this movie on repeat to torture someone. I couldn't even watch it one time through. It's too bad for him. He's missing out. It it is. This this movie's, like, really not contemporary, though. I don't... This movie... No. It's... So here's the thing, though, Jared. This person is not part of that fan club that the last three were in. Okay. But they just gave uh, five stars to not just Bohemian Rhapsody, but also Deadpool, the movie. Other half-star films include The Shining by Stanley Kubrick. Not Mick Garris's Shining. Oh. <laughs> the Stanley Kubrick Shining. So what are you going to do? Nothing. That's weird, though, that uh, all those people had those uh, same things. They got to be friends, right? Probably. They watched it all within a day of one another or something. They, so They got to be friends. There you go. Um, all of these takes, all these people talking about bad camera angles and digital effects. And what does like, that mean? I don't know. That's all people are talking about movies, I guess. Okay. But. Okay. Okay. Anyways, okay. I think that's it. I think this has gone long enough. What have we been talking about for like four fucking hours? Four years. Jesus, it feels like it. And now we die. Hey, did we ever talk about Blade Runner the movie? A little okay. bit. Just a little bit? Just a little bit. Okay. Now At, we die. After the break, now we die. Good. You bet. I saw where you mopped up those guys. If I could do that, there wouldn't be a ten pound could make Toby, me. Toby, listen to me. What you saw in there was a man being forced to go berserk because there are parts of his body he wasn't born with. Here's at the tone with a sensitive poem, transmitted with a voice like a ooze of foam. We be beaming these rounds to the satellite with the human beatbox for the people to like. I run a three-legged race in a potato sack and put a whole potato salad right down your back. I get mad respect at the old folks' home. Your mama's grandpapa won't leave me alone. 
RJ. Are you a robot? Yes. Are you a robot? In what sense? Like my downstairs are. Oh. I'm gonna have to do something about that. Better men have tried. How many times have you said that on this series? How many times are you gonna make me say that to? The point is, Jarrett, I know better men than you. And they've all tried all the same shit you're trying. Guess how far they got. We got a Facebook page. We're on mm-hmm. Instagram. We're mm-hmm. on Letterboxd. I'm Jared mm-hmm. Duncan. He's Barnlow. We have a YouTube. We've got Patreon. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, all that jazz. And never forget Tumblr. Next week, back on the chain gang with us. Back on our never-ending death march along the Criterion Collection Trail. Spine 172. Pepe Le Moco, directed by Julian Duvier-Vier from Pepe. 1937, baby. Pepe Le Moco. Is that loud? No, that's fine. Seriously, though, who gives a shit about Pepe Le Moco? <laughs> Well, we're going to find out. We're going to find out who gives a shit about I don't, Moko. <laughs> I don't know what it is, RJ, and I hate this movie's it. been remade twice. Oh, come on. You're damn right. Uh... Good night, folks. Fuck. Don't tell me. You still want to be bionic?